no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is down to the That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Ten past nine. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Uh, Neil returning on Monday week, so I'm here this week and next week. Rebels yell. Backlash hits plans to rename Cork GA Ground, says the Mirror's uh, front page. Plans to rename uh, Cork's GA Ground Parky Kiev were put on hold last night amid a backlash. Tornish to Micheál Martin was among those who slammed the Super Value Park bid, saying he was deeply disappointed and annoyed by it. That's the front of the Mirror. The Sun front page, so it's, all make, it's making national newspaper news. Fury over Park name. GAA bosses bid at rebranding. Uh, Tarnished to blasting it. Um, the super value tag, that is. Cash-strapped Cork GAA is in crisis over its bid to rename Parky Kiev as Super Value Park. The supermarket chain splurged one million on naming rights as county chiefs look to ease their 30 million euro debts. But Tarnished to me, old Martin said he was annoyed at the ditching of GAA hero Podrick uh, O'Keeffe's name. Field of Screams is the big headline there. And instead of Park and Ride, uh, on page four of the Sun, it's Park and Cried. Michal annoyed over stadium renaming plan is the secondary headline. Corks County Board have revealed plans. Uh, once again, you know all that, Super Value Park. Tonish to Michal Martin among those who hit out of the move, saying uh, the Fianna Fáil leader said, I'm deeply disappointed and annoyed at the proposal to change the name of Parky Kiev. Padrigo Kiev was a key figure in the formation of the GEA at club and national level. Government allocated €30 million Euro towards the development of the stadium and never sought naming rights. So Coke GEA being heavily in debt. Uh, I suppose trying to do the commercial deal that suits them best. And uh, No fault to Super Value, who have been uh, ardent supporters uh, through various channels of teams and sports in general, as do the entire Musgrave group, actually. Um, so you can't put any blame there. Uh, it's just that people are a little uncomfortable or very uncomfortable uh, with what would seem to be the removal of their GEA hero's name from the venue. Uh, naming rights talks set to continue is the Echo's front page under the headline No Deal on Park Yet. In a statement issued last night, it said uh, Cork GEA and Super Value remain committed to continuing their engagement as both parties share a common interest in supporting Gaelic games across the county. And this came as county board delegates met yesterday evening behind closed doors where it had been expected they would vote on proposals for a naming rights deal for the stadium. I wonder if people annoy that it just kind of came to the light on a Monday evening. Uh, we checked the official uh, GAA social media channels. There's been no mention uh, of it, uh, certainly since the 1st of January. Now, I know we're only two weeks in, but you would imagine that... Uh, Anyone uh, doing a PR exercise like that would kind of put the idea out there first and gauge the uh, reaction. Uh, Irish Daily Mail has the story. It is amazing. It's become the biggest story in the country for the uh, last 24 hours. It is galling that Super Value would consider eradicating my grandfather's legacy on renaming Parky Kiev. The grandson of Padraig Kiev is shocked and saddened over the planned renaming of the famous GEA stadium due to multi-million euros of debt. Cork GEA is proposing to rename Parky Kiev Super Value Park, uh, or PARK, P-A-I-R-C or P-A-R-K, as part of uh, one million sponsorship deal with the supermarket chain. And uh, you can check that out on page 18 
of the Irish Daily Mail. In fact, there is, uh, if you want to have a look at it, the uh, Examiner Sports Supplement for today have uh, a very, very um, detailed and very well-written article by Tony Lean, uh, who says, the chances are Padraig O'Keeve would have seen value in the park deal, the pragmatist that he was. And if I get time, I will... uh, Read out some more detail from that article uh, a little later on. But back to the main headlines. File on Satchwell murder case being considered by DPP. The Garda file on the Tina Satchwell case is being considered by the Director of Public Prosecutions. A court in County Tipperary has heard Richard Satchwell, 57 years of age, who's a native of Leicester in England, appeared by video link in Clonmel District Court on Tuesday, having previously been charged with the murder of his wife. The former truck driver appeared before Judge Brian O'Shea. He was charged in October of last year with the murder, contrary to common law of Tina Satchwell on March 20th, 2017, at a location in Cork. And uh, DPP's got four more weeks uh, to consider the elements here. Uh, And I'll skip over that now because we're going to talk in more detail on that in a few minutes to Barry Roach, uh, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times. Uh, decision reserved in Killer Dwyer appeal is uh, in the Sun today. Uh, on page 11, Killer Graham Dwyer will have to wait before the Supreme Court rules on his bid to overturn his conviction for murder. The architect is uh, uh, challenging the use of call data at his trial for the murder of childcare worker Elaine O'Hara. His lawyers told the court it was their case that there was a breach of the architect's rights under the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights in the gathering of the data used at his trial. Uh, Katie Price, by the way, uh, Jordan, fined uh, for speeding. Um, I think, is she coming out of uh, driving ban as well? But fine for speeding anyway across the pond. Uh, Attacker visibly soaked in blood. Liam Halen reporting in the Echo that a 63-year-old Cork man accused of attacking his sleeping wife with boiling water and a claw hammer admitted attacking her, a court has heard, and said during his bail application, my wife goes out three or four times a week. I don't drink or smoke. Uh, Noel Toomey of 18 Carberry Grove in Notnahini in Cork was arrested after he flagged down a Garda patrol car while soaked in blood and carrying a blood-stained hammer in a plastic bag at 5am on Monday, January 15th at uh, Baker's Road, Grona Brawer, uh, the court heard. I assume that was last year, no detail there. Uh, Detective Garda Brian Murphy charged Mr Toomey with two counts of assault causing harm to his wife, Jackie Toomey, at the family home. You can check that out in... Uh, today's echo. Lights out for electric as liquidators are called in. That was one of our favourite spots to park the the big red bus actually doing uh, various promotions. Liquidators are to be appointed to electric. The Cork Eatery which was put up for sale last year by publican Ernest Cantillon. A meeting of the business creditors is scheduled for next week. Malpractice um, that's M-A-L-L because uh, it's on the mall. Uh, Mal Mall Practice, uh, the holding company of Electric, is to nominate Tom O'Brien and David Swinburne of Mazers as joint liquidators of the business. Mr. Cantlin, owner of Electric and director of Mall Practice, declined to comment on the situation. His other pub, Sober Lane, is uh, a separate entity and unaffected completely by this uh, liquidation. Uh, I haven't fallen out of love with the hospitality sector. Sober Lane is like my right arm. Uh, he said on the IE Business podcast last year, having invested nearly one million in electric and sober lane during the pandemic so that both would be revamped 
when restrictions were lifted. But I think it's indicative of the pressure uh, that a lot of businesses in the city centre are feeling right now uh, when you see such prominent locations and such, uh, you would have imagined, viable businesses essentially going to the wall. Coalition fears of a council revolt on refugees. Local politicians from Fianna Fáil to Fine Gael vote to defy O'Gorman's policy on immigration. The government fears a revolt by county councils over the country's immigration policy could become contagious ahead of the forthcoming local elections. Mayo County Council passed a motion yesterday calling on its staff to cease working with Minister Roderick O'Gorman's Department of Integration until an agreed strategy is put in place on housing refugees, although non-binding. The motion, passed unanimously with the support of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil councillors, is designed to protest the government's handling of the issue. And when there's a little bit of dissension in the lower ranks, the upper ranks tend to take notice. Home insurance costs are rising at twice the rate of inflation, says the Independent. The world's oldest pooch, or another wind-up, another shaggy dog story, the world's oldest dog ever has lost its title amid an investigation into its age. The accolade was suspended after sceptics spotted he had white paws when younger, but brown ones when he died. <laughs> Somebody trying it on there. China clones the first rhesus monkey. Our humans next experts have successfully cloned a healthy rhesus monkey for the first time, potentially bringing scientists a step closer to cloning humans. Duncanology, you'll have heard uh, Casey uh, going into this uh, in some detail uh, and you can check out the full details in the Irish Daily Mirror. Each biscuit uh, being dunked in plunge trials dunked vert- vertically in a mug of freshly prepared tea with milk, no sugar and maintained at a temperature of 60 to 65 degrees. Somebody said to me this morning that Jaffa cakes are the most dunkable. Can't remember ever dunking one of them. The old chocolate digestives, I think, are the way. And do you remember before the Mariettas? You could put the Marietta flat into the tea. And if you time it properly, you'd get a spoon underneath it and eat the mushy uh, Marietta. Uh, but if you didn't time it properly, you're in big trouble because it would melt and fall in and wreck your tea. It's 20 past nine. Good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. We'll speak to Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent for the Irish Times, next. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. 24 minutes past nine. Gardaí have been given a month by a judge to obtain directions from the DPP in relation to the murder of Tina Satchwell. Our face having the murder charge against her husband, Richard, struck out. Barry Roach is the Southern Correspondent for the Irish Times and joins us online. Morning, Barry. Morning, Mick. How are you doing? Very good. I think a lot of people would have read uh, that with some element of shock. Is is the charge going to be considered uh, too soon or preemptory unless, in short order, the uh, the directions come down? It's actually a sort of procedural thing uh, that after a certain period of time, if the judge feels the case isn't progressing at the rate or speed it should, that it's open to him to put, make a preemptory, in which case it would be struck up with the state. But what would happen then would be Richard Satchwell would be released be rearrested and recharged and it sort of starts the process again then okay. so it's it, it's not that he's going to be walking out the door uncharged or, or free he, he'll face for he will face being recharged but it's, it's sort of primarily um, a procedural thing but uh, judge O'Shea who's the judge in uh, that court district where Richard Satchel has been charged he was also uh, the previous yes there was Richard Satchel's sixth appearance he was charged on in Cashel on the 14th of October and then he said five other appearances in Clonmel and the reason that it's Clonmel is because it's the 
office or district court in the area that has a video link so he can appear by video link so mm-hmm. as I say he's appeared five other times in that but the previous going back to uh, December the 5th Judge O'Shea was wondering uh, questioning what was the delay in the file being sent to the or being sent to the DPP and on that occasion uh, he said he wanted it sent by January the 2nd uh, when he was next up in court and on that occasion Inspector Adrian Gamble from uh, Middleton went to Clanbell and he assured him that the file had gone to the State Solicitor Jerry Healy on the 1st and would be with the DPP by the 5th and then we heard yesterday from uh, Sergeant Tom O'Brien the court presenter that the file was now with the DPP but the Guardian was still waiting back directions and he's adjourned it for a month um, interestingly um, Richard Satchel that has to be done with Richard Satchel's consent uh, and he remained over two weeks and um, Aidan Lee he was standing in for Eddie Burke said Eddie Burke hadn't been able to confirm with Richard Satchel before court if he would consent to a four week remand uh, so Judge O'Shea then asked Richard Satchel via video link was he consenting or he pointed out that he could only remand him for two weeks without his consent and four weeks with his consent and was he consenting for four weeks and Richard Satchwell said he would consent for four weeks so we're going back now to February 13th by video link and then he issued the warning as I say about the case being preemptory against the state and Gardy said uh, Sergeant O'Brien said Gardy would be seeking the DPP's directions as soon as possible on it so um, as I say the previous occasion he was um, he was questioning whether the file would be sent to DPP by, DPP by January the 2nd and Adrian Gamble super said or the judge said rather I know these investigations are complex but you can't you don't have to have all the bells and whistles attached before the file can be sent to DPP Superintendent Gamble acknowledged as much but he said the file involved the inclusion of some reports outside the control of Vanguard Shikona that was why it's taken so long to finalise and we presumed by that he meant toxicology and other reports that would have gone to Forensic Science Ireland that you know Gardy would have forwarded but they have no control over when they come back to them so at any rate it was sent off to Jerry Healy on January the 1st mm and was with the DPP by January the 5th. So it's proceeding at a, at a pace. All right, so... Um, so it's uh, it's a little nudge from the judge to say, lads, yeah, let's, let's move this along. Is, you know, it's a shot across the bow, is it, bro, you know? Yeah. Uh, a nudge is probably even better uh, way of describing it, yes, so that's essentially what it is. I mean, the whole sort of court procedure is that the Gardaí have 42 days from the time the first... Uh, sorry, the DPP must serve a book of evidence... If, if it's a trial by indictment, which this will be rather than district court, then uh, the accused is entitled to a book of evidence, and that's uh, you know the the um, documents and evidence that the state has put together against them. Uh, I mean, it includes any list of witnesses that the DPP process call, a statement of the evidence that expected to be given by each witness whose name appears on the list, a statement of any further evidence that ex- is expected to be given by any witness whose name appears on the earlier witness list, and a copy of any documentary evidence and a list of exhibits. That book of evidence under court rules in an indictable matter that has to be with served on the defendant or his solicitor or their solicitor within 42 days after they first appear in court but the district DPP can apply to the district court to extend that 42 day period and normally the district court will grant that extension if they think there's a good reason for doing so or would be in the interest of justice and while it doesn't ex- set any limit on the extension any limit on the length of the extension um there must, as I say, be a good reason for granting it. Mm-hmm. And, for example, if the guard investigation is very complex and there are lots of witnesses involved in the case, and in this case, obviously, where you're investigating something, uh, a crime which allegedly happened uh, six years earlier, then obviously things like toxicology and reports like yeah, that yeah. obviously would be, would be very central to it. So um, there was, uh, you know, the, the state can reasonably make the case that uh, they needed this uh, extension. Uh, as I say, back 
he last appeared, uh, Judge uh, O'Shea pointed out that Mr. Satchel had been in custody since October the 14th when he was first charged and that at that stage at January, on January the 2nd, that amounted to 11 and a half weeks in custody. Mm, it's, a, it's an intriguing look at the workings of the court. Finally, um, he's looking different apparently than uh, we would remember him from pictures. Sporting a full beard now? Yeah, I wouldn't recognise him if I passed him on the street, no, to be honest. And I mean, obviously he was somebody I suppose most people were familiar with from his many uh, TV appearances and appeals and things like that for information on... Um, Tina's disappearance so but no he looks a very different person though with a full beard and uh, even since the last day it seems to have got fuller again if that's if that's the case and he's looking well I mean he's, uh, he's dressed in a great tracksuit and uh, as I say he didn't speak much other than to confirm that he was happy to consent to the four week remand the whole I suppose it was over probably in five minutes yeah. um, it was Clonel Gardy but then uh, Detective Garda David Keller who charged him and Detective Inspector Henry Toomey who sort of led the investigation uh, well David Keller had done a huge amount of the research into this as well they were up there as well from the Cork point of view so that was sort of the, 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 the scenario there yesterday Yeah. Okay, thanks Barry for enlightening us on the procedures of court as, the, as they play out and uh, I guess we'll be talking to you again on this matter uh, in about a month's time All right. Thanks, Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent. Thanks uh, with the Irish Times. The Richard Satchwell murder case set to be thrown out if Gardaí don't get direction from the DPP within a month. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. 25 to 10 on this program, The Neil Prenderville Show, we often speak to people who are in dark and lonely places, people suffering from addiction, people... Uh, going through the rigours of homelessness, various situations in which when we recognise that there's a will to recover, uh, we can but uh, wish them all the best and maybe monitor their situation as we go along. But I'm about to speak to a remarkable woman who has completed a degree in psychotherapy and finished her clinical placement and now hopes to establish herself as a psychotherapist and counsellor. Uh, why did I say remarkable before that? Well, we got to look at the place uh, where she came from. Uh, and then I think you'll realise uh, remarkable is the correct word. Aoife Cullinan, good morning. Hi there, Mick. How are you? Is, is that a fair introduction? Yeah, do you know what? It's a bit overwhelming. I'm like, remarkable? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you for those kind words. And you know what? It is important to remember where I did come from, you know, because there's probably a lot of people who find themselves in those places, you know, like not wanting to live you know, stuck at the bottom of a bottle and just feeling hopeless, you know, and not knowing how to change their life, you know. So thank you for acknowledging that. Okay. I, I often find it's it's uh, it's good, in a way, to, to divide these interviews into two parts. So I have a very convenient commercial break to take halfway through, okay? So we'll do that. Okay, uh, and And give you a chance to catch your breath. But give us your story from the start to rock bottom, and then we'll look at the positives. Yeah, exactly. I will indeed. So yeah, so there is. I got there was obviously um, an article in the Echo, and uh, I think that was basically um, just kind of outlining. Yeah. So from the very start, I uh, suppose I in my late twenties, I felt like I was just like everyone else. Um, you know, trying to tick the boxes in life. Does that make sense? You know, where you're mm-hmm. just simply kind of thinking, okay, you know, I must um, get a good career, I must get a good job, um, I must get a house, you know, I want to be functional in society. And I think that was something I was doing very well um, because I was just 
really um, trying to keep up this facade, like that everything was going really well in my life. And like I'm talking now about probably 15, 16 years ago, back in the the noughties. And um, yeah, what was really interesting was I didn't know at the time that I was actually trying to keep up a facade. I just thought that I was, you know, doing what everyone else is doing, you know, and I was trying to do it really well. Um, but the reality was, you know, I was struggling a lot. You know, I really, really was struggling. Now I know um, from my education like that, that's called masking. You know, when you kind of feel miserable inside, but you go out the door and you put on a fake smile and you just kind of pretend everything is okay. So that's what mm-hmm. I call masking. And I certainly was doing a lot of that because while I was like turning up to work, you know, and I'd have a smile on my face all the time, like I was actually a lot of the time living with really dark, depressive thoughts, not wanting to live. And I was also struggling a lot with, um, like I said, needing to drink a bottle or two of wine every evening um, just to get by and just to get to sleep as well, you know. And I didn't even know that. I just thought, you know, it's what people do. I'm socialising, you know, I'm having a glass of wine with my husband at the time. And, you know, yeah, it just seemed normal. But the reality was it was far from normal. And I was living with a lot of anxiety and depression. And I just didn't even know it because I didn't know what the symptoms were, you know. Yeah, I, I think we're conditioned in a way by our education, by our parents to an extent, uh, by peer pressure and societal pressure to, uh, and I won't say brainwash, but we are convinced that the treadmill is the way to go. Get a job and work 40 hours a week for 40 years to retire on 40% of what you need to live. Uh, and, and that seems to be enough for most people. But the treadmill is all very well for many people, uh, as long as you can stay on it. When, when it's moving faster than you can manage, then you're in trouble. Completely, completely. And as well, I think, like, for me, when I look back on it now, I um, it was moving very fast. And also, I think I was trying to, you know, um, maybe I was running faster than other people as well because, you know, I was running away from different things. I was probably, not probably, I was definitely in denial. I was in the height of denial. And I also didn't really understand um, mental health and it's interesting as I was waiting to come on there uh, like I heard um, something on the break and it was about trying to raise awareness about what exactly is mental health you know not just poor health but also good health um, so yeah I was burnt out I was working in a sales career at the time um, it was in the Bank of Scotland on the South Mall and uh, that's gone now but um, it was a really high powered you know like lots of pressure lots of phone calls Lots of, you know, meeting new people constantly all day, every day. And um, but the reality was, I, you know, I knew I was struggling, but my only solution at the end of the day was to get the wine, you know, and to just literally be like, I forget about that now for a few hours. And then I get up in the morning and try to do something different, you know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. we have to distinguish between the emotion of depression and the illness of depression. Um, because that's 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 yeah. one, of, one of the factors that that's 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 feeding in, and people often uh, don't consider that. I mean, if you if you're saying the average person, uh, like we are in the middle of January, is miserable, the nights are short, the weather's bad, you're halfway to your paycheck, yeah. you don't have enough funds, there's nothing to look forward to. That's something you can you you can personally get yourself out of. But the yes. the spiral of, of of mental health and depression. Uh, the one you were on led you to mm-hmm. to use substance like alcohol or whatever drugs um, to mm-hmm. ease the situation mentally. Is that fair? Yeah, I think definitely. I I would agree one hundred percent. And because I hadn't that insight, like you said, that this just wasn't you know a bad period. Like this had become a serious pattern. This was something that I was going to a lot, and I also didn't know 
what anxiety was, you know, that if I didn't have maybe for me in that case, you know, that bottle at night time, that I, how would I be feeling? Do you know, would I be able to say what my feelings and yeah, so it's, it, you know, I think now like what I would say to people, obviously, even when they come to me is like, you know, when I look back on that, I wish I had known. And I, I think that was back in like 2008, 2009. And there wasn't as much awareness around the effects of, you know, different substances. And also there wasn't much awareness around, you know, what were the symptoms of anxiety and depression. And, you know, like the HSE has come a long way. Now you can Google and find out, um, you know, wh- what the symptoms are. And, and when I say they've come a long way, I mean, they've they've started to share this information, you know, on websites yeah. and stuff like that, because I'm aware um, when I when I went looking for their help, you know, in 2000. And nine, um, I just felt so rejected because the reality is, you know, I was thinking of this before I spoke to you. And the reality is, you know, when I, I had only previously, say, had awareness of being physically sick. So you go to the doctor, you either get a tablet or, you know, if you're really sick, you go to the hospital. Whereas when it comes to mental health, there's so much more personal kind of um, power is needed, you know, like as an I didn't realise I was going to be responsible for an awful lot of my recovery. And that really, really upset me because I felt rejected. So if I went to the hospital and they were like, you know, you just need to go home and take care of yourself, I, I would get really angry mm. because I would just wouldn't know, you know, I, would, I wouldn't know what they meant by that. But let's, let's jump um, back one year to 2008. You, you were battling dependency yeah. on alcohol. The financial crisis then hit. Um, then your husband lost his job it went all of a sudden uh, and you you went through loss of job, loss of income and eventual loss of husband so you used yeah. alcohol and, and perhaps drugs then uh, to self-medicate and that, you know, trying to convince yourself all yeah. these problems will go Yes, yeah, and that is denial, do you know what that is, I suppose an inability to accept you know, that, that there's a lot of factors here that have really you know, what I would call all the major triggers, you know, because, um, you know, for example, some people will just get depression or anxiety, but they won't realise that it's because maybe they've had some significant changes in their lives, you know, that were just a lot to deal with all at once. Um, so for me, yeah, definitely. I think when I got the awareness, though, around um, that, you know, there was no way that I was going to get out of this until I could stop repeating the daily cycle. And that in itself was definitely something that I found really challenging. And that's then when I started to kind of realise, okay, you know what, it's going to be vital for me here to put down the alcohol um, if I want to start recovering at all, you know. Okay, of course, there were other issues in the past uh, that were also contributing to your your mental health condition. Um, Do you want to talk about that or is it something you... Yeah, you know what, it's something that I I obviously have spoken about, you know, before many times. And I think it's also something, you know, that kind of became more familiar, or not familiar, but came to the fore more for me when I did stop drinking alcohol and I did did the treatment in Tabor Lodge because I'd say after about five weeks of, um, five or six weeks really of not being under the influence of something, reality came out then, you know, and I started to realise you know, maybe where a lot of my feelings were coming from, what I was running away from. And you'd often hear people say this, you know, like even in dry January, people could be finding it, you know, that they're like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, you know, but most people would say then, like if they're not, if they don't have a lot of trauma to, that they're covering up, they might say, well, you know, I'm going to make these changes. But for me, what I found was when I actually, um, you know, kind of got sober and uh, I then couldn't deny anymore 
the different thoughts and feelings that I was covering, you know. And that was then really where a lot of the work started. And then because I found it difficult to get very real about the different flashbacks I was having, the different memories I was having, my anxiety and depression got even worse, which is why I needed then to go to St. Pat's because I, you know, getting sober just wasn't enough for me. Um, you so, you uh, suffered trauma, which, which you kept to yourself. Uh, and and oh, then obviously please. suffered yeah. self stigma and internalized shame. Um, yeah, this was a sexual trauma. It was exactly, and you were very you know, young I, for me. Yeah, for me it was between the ages of three to six, and it was something that you know I've learned in Ireland. Like one in four to one in five people have have had the same experiences if they were born in the seventies and eighties and uh, before that. So it was really difficult. And then also there was a the complication that it was like you know, quite close to home in the sense that I would have to get honest and tell my parents. And a lot of people who have that experience, Mick, they, you know, as children were told, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. So if you've gotten that messaging when you're very young, of course. I learned that I internalised that. You know, yeah, that's but that's the offender trying to protect themselves. Completely, whereas I internalised that and mm-hmm. I blamed okay. myself. And I know a lot of people listening will, if they've, you know, if they've had that experience, will relate to that. And that's the sad thing, you know, that that can really then in, impair someone's ability to recover. Okay, so you signed into Tabor Lodge for five weeks. This was mm-hmm. 11, 12 years ago. How, how did that go? Yeah. yeah, you know what, it actually was, um, I was only thinking of it last night or the night before because... Um, I was down in Fellowship House and I was doing a, a, a share there. And when I went in, I kind of really felt like um, it was the start of a new life for me because I really, really wanted to change. You know, I had come to the end of uh, my drinking. I'd come to the end of, you know, pretending that life wasn't um, going. Yeah, I was pretending that life was going okay, right? So when I signed in, I actually had a positive experience um, in the sense that I met it was the first time I met a lot of people like who were battling the same stuff that I was battling. Um, and I really enjoyed being in a safe place for the five weeks and having counsellors there and support workers who just had my back and who gave me for the first time, you know, skills and tools to deal with stuff. It was actually a really positive experience for me. Um, there was times, of course, it was very negative. You know, I would maybe be challenged on things and I would end up like really angry and wanting to leave the place yeah. but I think you know that's that's normal you know that Unf- is normal. unfortunately I, the, I know. the the cruel twist in, in your story and I'm sorry for pushing you along I'm just conscious of time uh, no, I'll, no, I'll, no, we, we'll try and get to the end and I'll take the commercial break then because I'm really enjoying talking yeah. to you in the cold light of day you got sober um and, and and that in itself is a massive achievement but the cruel irony yeah. of the trauma is you were getting flashbacks due to the trauma yeah. you suffered as a child and then you cut yourself off again, not answering the phone and not wanting to yeah. live. Um, suicidal yeah. ideas, cutting contact with the, the family. Yeah. So, so tell that us about the, the vital hardest. decision you made then. Yeah, so the vital decision I made was in 2012, in April of 2012. And I, I think I, in that instance, I just got this awareness that if I was to, to take my own life, if I was to die by suicide because of the flashbacks that I was struggling to deal with, then in a way, not only would I be hurting my family and friends um, all over again, but in a way I would be re-wounding the little girl inside me who had been hurt so badly. And I just had this huge awakening of, I was like, I deserve to recover. And at the time I was ringing um, the Connect uh, helpline, which is a, 
a really good support for people like myself at that time. And um, they were encouraging me and giving me the kind of the, the wisdom of like, you deserve to recover. This is not your fault. You know, you've not done anything wrong here. And that's then when I got the courage to go to St. Pat's, I turned up to my GP after about two or three months of literally isolation inside in my house in Frankfield. And um, the GP said, you know, this has gone on long enough. She was like, there is a place that can help you. And so that's where, that's where it really turned around for me, Mick. And just knowing that, you know, we don't have to re-traumatise ourselves. Like for me, it did get difficult, but if we have had those experiences in childhood or even if we've had them in adulthood, you know, it's, it's bad enough it was already done to us, but we then don't deserve to do it to ourselves all over again. So St. Pat's instilled in you really that you didn't want to revisit any more dark and dangerous places and that you didn't have to harbour the trauma internally. Uh, So you you can divest yourself of them and move on to a positive side. Yeah, completely. And they gave me then, um, they, they really encouraged me to get in touch with my creative side, you know, to kind of get in touch with that child within. And they also gave me some support around, you know, how how do I talk about this safely? Because in a lot of counselling spaces, you know, people say they have to go reporting things and I felt really worried about that. And, you know, they just, I, I spoke to professionals who were like, look, it's okay. One in four to one in five people have had this experience. It's not okay that that has happened, but it is okay Aoife, that you have that experience and we can give you a plan to move through it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you felt suddenly empowered, you were being creative, uh, you moved back to Cork, your, yeah. your, your native home. Um, yeah, 10 years ago now actually, Mick, um, I'm back here 10 years and it's great. You joined the High yeah. Hopes Choir, you volunteered with Cork Simon, <laughs> so you're obviously helping other people. Yeah, well I think as well, you know, when, you're, when I was going through stuff like that, I felt very alone and then I was like, how do I connect with other people? And a lot of the time I was, you know, just it would take me a long time to recover, so volunteering was huge. And being around other people as well, you know, who through no fault of their own might have ended up not having a home or maybe not having the family support I did. Um, so I know that it's quite common that a lot of people um, would have had similar childhood experiences as mine. So I found great, just great, um, yeah, great healing in that and also great company. You know, we had great fun. So you were, you were um, strong enough, I suppose, uh, to deal with the departure of your husband. You say he was great, but he'd had enough. We, you, you split yes. amicably. Yeah. He moved to London. He you did. now begin to move on with, with with your life, beginning with a certain yeah. counselling. Yes, yes. And you know what happened? Actually, I think that was in twenty twenty twelve. Um, I unfortunately had a suicide attempt, and I um, ended up in the CUH. And because of that intervention, that's how my family. You know, it really pulled my family together. Social worker. And then the social worker was able to give me a number of a really therapist that just I really clicked with and uh, who went the distance with me, you know, and who really stayed with me. And uh, her name was Orla. And Orla, it's mentioned her name, actually, Orla Connell. Uh, She's a, you know, a psychotherapist in Cork City. And I just found that one person who really got me. And uh, the the social worker in the hospital knew at that time she was like, it's okay to talk about this stuff, you know, it's okay, you're safe. And a lot of it is just hearing that, you know, that it's okay. And so, that yeah, that lady went, like what I say, the distance with me. And um, she also was there, you know, encouraging me. I say it's been the bulk of like 10 full years I was seeing her and doing the work. And it wouldn't be every week. Sometimes there would be breaks. But, um, you know, I just kept at it. I just kept at it. And then I, I knew that I wanted then um, to 
to use my voice, I guess, you know, because once I found it, there was no stopping me. Then I really liked talking. Um, so, yeah, so that's that was it. It was great. So you have your search in counselling and psychotherapy. Um, that plaque will be coming in the very near future. I, I know your dad and your boyfriend will be there uh, when it goes on your yeah. office wall or office door or, or, or whatever. To, to any extent, did you feel you were your, your own psychotherapist and you were self-counselling as you gained knowledge? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Definitely, and that's what that's what um, uh, I think any any um, worthwhile kind of therapeutic process is about. Is like you know now that I'm I myself seeing clients, I always want to be like you know I want you to become your own therapist. So the hope is that as we go for counselling and psychotherapy, we internalise the voice. You know how and we, we yeah we literally become our own therapist, and I think that's what I strive for now when I'm working with people, and I know that's something I definitely received from Orla and my own psychotherapeutic process and it's you know because I don't think it's good to have a dependency because if we're constantly giving our power away to other people like I said at the start it's about taking ownership isn't it and saying you know what I I can I can do the best for myself here and I can find resources that I need to yeah, I, I can realise and accept that it's not my fault. Uh, I can realise I need to grab life with both hands. I can realise I'm responsible for my own future. Uh, I can realise yeah. I don't want to cause my family uh, any more hurt. All of these things have to be dealt with. Yeah, it's so much more multifaceted, you know, than the physical health aspect, I guess. And that's why it is very difficult um, to approach it. And especially if it's some some people's first time ever having these difficulties, you, you know, as I said in the intro, uh, what it's like to hit rock bottom. For anyone else out there who may feel they're approaching or are at rock bottom, uh, I used a phrase, I think I got it from Mike Scott, actually, from the Waterboys, yeah. uh, from his brilliant book, uh, Adventures of a Waterboy. Uh, I asked somebody who was in that position, when did you find the bedrock of your self-worth? Uh, stole those words completely from mm-hmm. Mike Scott. Um, but for anyone out there who's struggling and maybe hitting rock bottom, um, any advice for them? You've been on the roller coaster, up and down. Yeah, up and down. That is lovely, the bedrock of your self-worth. And that is actually, that is exactly it. You know, we are all worthy. And I think for me, it wasn't until I really realised that I was worthy and, you know, that I belonged. You know, I'm in a family. Um, you know, I, I think when we're when I was experiencing really bad mental health, difficulties I felt worthless I felt like I didn't matter I didn't belong I wasn't lovable it was very very negative thinking but the reality is we all matter to somebody and even if we think we don't we do you know because we're all part of this humanity and this collective so I think for me I would say to someone just use your voice there is no shame in struggling you know and if if, if anything when you use your voice and you allow someone else to be there for you you know, we create connection and connection is what we need big time in this world. And I know that when I started putting my hand up and saying, I'm really struggling, um, I was in a way handing over, you know, kind of my, the, the stress and the worry and someone else was coming in and saying, it's okay, I got you, you know. And that to me is how I really started mm-hmm. making the changes, you know. Does that make sense? Like the connection? It makes a- absolute sense. And Aoife Cullinan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. You're a great talker. Uh, and very clear and concise oh, in, in, in your thinking. I think you'll make a great counsellor and psychotherapist. Would you send us a picture of that plaque on the wall when you, when you get it? Uh, I, 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 think I will you, indeed. I appreciate that. And you've, you've inspired many people this morning. Thanks a million, Aoife. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks. Take care. Have a good Cheers. day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, and if you were affected by our conversation, 
The Samaritans are available for advice or just to chat on one one six one two three, and they'll point you in the direction of the support you need. Samaritans at one one six one two three. News next. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And back to our phone lines at eight minutes uh, past ten. Lots and lots of text generated by the first hour of the program, which I'll get to as well in a few minutes' time. But good morning to Jim in Yall. Good morning, Mick. How are you keeping? I'm good. How are you? How are things in y'all? Pretty cold, I'd say. Pretty, pretty cold, frosty, but you know we're we're, we're very resilient down in the sunny southeast. Well, well, we keep going, you know. Yeah, uh, we l- keep going. Looking at businesses in, in, in y'all, I mean, y'all is a big, big, long town. There must be hundreds of commercial properties between the start and the finish of y'all, whatever way you drive through, east or west. Um, how are things going there? Uh, look, we're, we're, we're upbeat. We're upbeat. Uh, there are a lot of businesses closed. Uh, down, down to the last two or three years, where a lot of them went by the wall. For one reason or another, maybe some of them were, were retired and had no no children to take them over. But um, look, it, all it is what it, what it is. You you drive up the main street, like it, it's it's not it's not healthy looking at us. Not healthy. It's not empty, but it's not healthy. It's not healthy, but um, there's a lot of places closed, Mick. There's a lot of places closed, and 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 things aren't getting any better. You see, we 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 don't have industry down here in town. You know, you, you used to have. We used to have, but sorry to say, they're they're all gone. Like we had power products, we had Tritex, we had all those places down here, and they're all, they're all gone. Like, and of course, they're. They're they're essential to a to a booming town. You have tourism, but, but of course, not much tourism on a day like today. Well, you see, it, it, tourism tourism is fine. Tourism is fine, but you must have you must have amenities too. Like like the the boardwalk is beautiful. I I I I, I can't get over the boardwalk. But like once you walk walk the boardwalk from one end of the, the, the strand, the beach to the other. You you can get a coffee at one end at the start, but you can get a coffee at the, the end. That's it, Mick. You know what I mean? That, that that's it. Like like I go to Tramore a lot, Mick. And and if you see Tramore, the way it's booming, like I guarantee you, you walk the beach in Tramore tomorrow, and you if you do know Tramore along the pond, there are all the, all all the coffee shops that's there. They're all doing business, Mick. There's none of them closing, even in the winter. You know, even in the winter, I guarantee you, if you walked, if you walked upon and tram or tomorrow, every one of those would be open. And you could have, I don't know, 10, 15 people inside each one of them. And, that, and that's facts. I've seen it with my own eyes. And, and that's all year round. All year round. In the summer, come the summer, it's chaotic down there. But you have uh, you have to understand as well that Tremore is, is like a little satellite town of uh, Waterford City. Huge population there. This is it. This is it, but you see, there's so many things you can do in Tramwell. Like you're nine miles from Walford, you know. You can you, if you're if you're driving, you can, or even if you're not, you can get a you can get a bus and you know, drive into to, to Walford, and you can go shopping. But in, 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 we go back to y'all, and 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 this is, you see, there's a lot of, a lot of shops gone, like, and you know, I see it with my own eyes, like um, some things that I need. I either go to them, get them, or build them from. I can't. I can't get them in y'all. 
Because there's, the, the, there's not the breadth of shops that, that you need to get the range that you want to buy, is the, it? Exactly. The choice the choice is not there. And the testing, the, the small grocery shops that's left there, like, they're, they're finding it very hard to compete with the, with the, with the big boys, Tesco's, Aldi's and Lidl's. Mm. You know? I, I live so in a town with no shop. you got to drive whenever you want to buy the milk. So, you know, it's... It's all relative, I yeah. guess. It, it, of course, of course, and, and people coming into a town will generate money. Like, if you had a business, if you had a business, a, a, a big factory in your, like, you'd have people staying in the town, obviously, you know, yeah. if they can get accommodation, if they can get accommodation, um, and they, they would be generating money for the restaurants and for the public houses and and whatever, you know. Yeah, I, I spent a night a couple of years ago in Dungarvan and I wasn't looking forward to it, having cycled through it as a kid and all that. It always looked a bit depressing to me. It was an absolute revelation. A booming town full of the most engaging uh, premises, restaurants, variety, great pubs, great snugs, uh, and almost all of the business people that I spoke to there, uh, just casually, they were saying that the Greenway has been the saviour of Dungarvan, 100%. Where, where are you guys with the Greenway and y'all? Well, you see, what will the Greenway generate? Well, like, what, what, you see, you'll cycle the Greenway once or twice, <laughs> weather permitting. You, you might, but so will hundreds of thousands of others. Yeah, but what, what will they spend, Mitch? Where, what, where will they go to spend it? Like, like, you're like wouldn't the railway station be, have, have been far better because they bring in thousands of people? At the weekend, then, then when you generate when you generate a population, business people will extend. Business people will come into the town and and rebuild, open up some of the old shops that's there because, like, all all the town needs is investment, and the, the investment is not coming and it's not coming anytime soon because the population is not here. There's no business being generated. Mm. When you look west instead of east, you look at thriving towns like like Skibbereen or Clannacilty, uh, Bantry to an extent, maybe. Um, but as you, as you go east, uh, from Middleton, you, you've only got smaller towns like Castle Martyr and Killa. Both are, you know, in their own way, they're thriving little communities. Well, what's happening? What's, yeah, wrong, with, what's wrong with you all? You see, it, the, the selection is not deal. They, 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 I, I, and I don't know, you see, I don't know, what, I don't know why business are not coming in here. Um like we we had the quality hotels and we all know what happened that that that's that's taken over completely taken over completely you now like you know so like the people that are staying out there they come into town two or three times a week they're being driven into town no I'm not against them don't get me wrong they will buy they will buy what they need at the big supermarkets because obviously enough it is cheaper you can get vegetables there for forty nine cents yeah they'd, they'd be pri- of course they're going to be price sensitive. And they're going to be price sensitive. And, and then the bus is there straight away when they're finished up to take them back out again. And that's the end of them until maybe two days later. Mm. You know, you know, you know. Uh, socially wise, I'd say the only night that you'd have in y'all would be of a Saturday night. That, that would be the, that would be the biggest night of the week. That, that, that the restaurants and maybe the, the 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 public houses might be going okay. Some of them would be going okay, but like you take yesterday, you take tomorrow, and y'all there'll be four or five public houses won't be open. 
The big thing that's that's hit the hospitality trade, it's well, the public houses in, in the last 10 years is, you know, they've gone quieter. Uh, there's no denying that. But they're carrying too many unprofitable hours. So if it's a family pub, the family will try to carry the unprofitable hours because they're taking their wage from the profit. Um, and, and then, you know, they're not employing people in the hours they're losing money uh, or not breaking even. Um, and then sometimes it is sensible to say we're not doing enough business in the entirety of our opening Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll open Thursday at five o'clock and we'll try to give a better service. Uh, and people get to know they're open Thursday at five o'clock, all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And that's that's amenable to the 40 hour week for the staff as well. Of course, and and family family run, run businesses make especially public houses have a better chance of survival. They have a better chance of survival because you know they they might have a son or daughter that will go inside the counter for three or four hours. No, they will be paid too. But but you know, it, it, like when you open the public, I I wouldn't understand this, but I I do. I need any anything you're living, but. You know, when you open the pub, the first thing you must do is like you must have heating inside it, and that's not that's not cheap. No, that's not cheap at all. And um, then you then you're you're waiting, looking at the main door to see will a customer come in, maybe if I'll choose them on eleven or twelve o'clock or whatever. But you, you've, you've, you've got your electricity, your your refrigerators. Exactly. Uh, exactly. VAT is a big element, of course, because all of your turnover is vatable. Uh, and exactly. not, not least of your worries is your public liability insurance, your maintenance. That's right. Look, I, 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 was, in, I was in Dublin for Christmas, Mick, and, and, and two years ago I was in Dublin again uh, for Christmas. And... There's there's some fantastic um, bars and restaurants in Dublin, but the bars especially. There's one down top of O'Connor Street called Moe's. It's a massive pub. It's absolutely massive. Jim, can I can I put you on hold there for a second? I, I'm not going to cut you off or anything. Just stay with us uh, because I have Christopher Sullivan TD on the line. He needs to get on the air and get away as quickly as possible. Good morning, Christopher. Okay. Hey, Neil, how are you getting on? It's Mick. You want you want to revisit the hospitality okay, VAT rate, Christopher? Uh, yes, yes, Mick, of course, yeah. Um, look, that, that's something that uh, look, I flagged back in March, I, I think, with the Taoiseach. Um, I predicted, you know, that, that there was a challenging time coming down the road for certainly hospitality businesses. Um, I think it's unfortunate that food-related hospitality sector really got caught up in the whole, I suppose, debacle that we saw in the last couple of years in relation to um, accommodation and the price of accommodation, particularly in Dublin and in, in the more urban hotels. And I think that kind of left a sour taste in, in a lot of moats. And I think the food, hospitality, the cafes, the restaurants, uh, those those hotels even that, that concentrate on food got caught up in that, um, uh, which is the reason that the VAT went back to 13.5%. We've, we've seen it's not working. I knew it wouldn't work. What I requested back um, a number of uh, pre-budget was that the VAT rate would be split, uh, split between food-related hospitality businesses and, and accommodation businesses. Um, and so nine percent for food, thirteen and a half percent on the accommodation. Thirteen and a half percent because because what we're hearing is that the accommodation sector isn't struggling. It's not uh, having the same challenges in terms of making those profits and making those margins as the food sector. That's quite clear. Um, so that was the ask, and I think the the response I got at the time when it, when I raised is obviously with we we are lucky to have Minister of Finance in in my own party was that the cost would be in the region of about five hundred million for for food. And 250 million for for uh, accommodation. I think it was worth proceeding uh, on that because I think the the it's really hard to judge the overall economic cost. Well, not just the economic cost, the social cost 
of seeing businesses, cafes, restaurants close. Uh, so you know that that that's my line here. That's why I'm urging the government to revisit this as soon as possible because um, you know these, particularly for for towns, villages. I know there's a few high profile Cork City restaurants, um, obviously made the headlines re- recently. But for the smaller towns, villages that rely on tourism, um, it it is really important that we keep these cafes and restaurants as the fabric of. Uh, it's, of it's, been, make, it's, uh, it's been a long standing you know. chestnut of mine, um, Christopher. Nobody seems to take any notice though uh, that if your local hotel is full. Uh, the local working population are buzzing to an extent. The butcher is happy. The greengrocer is happy. The milkman is happy. Um, but what's happening in Yall, um, you know, a little maybe more so, or maybe equally to other towns, is this lack of hotel accommodation now. Because it's all taken over by refugees. No tourists. Uh, no beds equals no tourists. No revenue. Yeah, I can understand the frustration uh, with when when that happens within a town, especially when, for example, a town may only have one or two hotels um, and they're taking up with uh, those seeking international protection. I can understand that frustration. It makes sense that, um, you know, if, if that hotel was free for uh, for tourists or free for those visiting the area, that obviously there'd be that added economic value. It's a really tricky one for government. We we have to find places for people who are seeking refuge from, from war-torn countries and from bombs and, and bullets. Um, so, but I do totally understand that that frustration, and I think it's a, it's something that government need to approach better. Uh, they need to find more, I suppose, suitable accommodation that doesn't uh, impact the economic viability of a town. Um, I'll just use an example here in Clannacilty. We have, do have one of our hotels who are accommodating uh, international protection um, applicants, and that does have a, a slight economic effect. But I can tell you as well that. You know, the local yogurt factory here, there's 50 Ukrainians um, in, in employment there. So they're certainly not kind of draining from the local economy. In mm. fact, they're adding to it. There's there's at least 20 or 30 in, in local hospitality. Um, I work in local hospitality. And these are businesses that are crying out for staff, crying out for, for, for people to employ. Uh, so, you know, it, it certainly solved that problem in many ways. But I can totally understand the frustration in terms of, you know, towns that maybe only have one or two hotels. Yeah, but Clannacilty is essentially a buzzing town anyway. It's doing okay, but you know we can't, we can't take it for granted. I have to go and make consultations. Okay, I understand I have, that. I have Thanks, Christopher. Interview, I have another interview lined up. Thank you no so much. No problem. I didn't Bye mention that when you came on. Back to you, Jim. Sorry about that. Um, uh, listen, I, I, yeah. I don't want to be dancing on y'all, and thanks to Kevin and Seamus for the information here. But do you know how many businesses are closed on the Yall's main street? Forty-three or forty-four. Forty-four. Yeah, yeah. but I'm getting back to I'm getting back to that that uh, the local representative there. That's what he said. I, I, I don't agree with him at all. Like, if, like just take the quality hotels. There was a big carrot dangled in front of the owner of that hotel. And that, that hotel jumped at it. Because this time of the year, outside there, if that hotel was open, he might have only a handful staying there tonight. Instead, he got between 11 and 13 million last year for housing refugees. Yeah, so, look, so to be fair, it's supply and demand. There's no hotel you're going to refuse 100% occupancy with no work course, to, to put of, into it. Of course, of course they're not. And, and that's what I'm getting back to the government. They're, they're, they're making it too easy for people to sell up their property like that at, 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 at enormous, enormous difficulties for the rest of the people that's living down there. Mm-hmm. Like, like y'all, y'all, that, that, that was a nail into y'all's coffin, one of them, but we, we'll pull that nail out. We'll put y'all is with you and they lift. Like, you have the same thing. I'm going back to Tramore. They've done the same thing in Tramore. There was two hotels on Tramore with, three, with the last three years. I'll, I'll have to be taken over by uh, 
the poor misfortunate refugees. They were sold. The Sands Hotel is one, and the Highbee Hotel is the second one. Now, there's another hotel that's been taken over, and at the moment, thank God, thank God, he has no intention of putting um, refugees in there. But even even with the two hotels that that, that, that was sold, Tramore is still viable and to still operating because they have amenities down there. Yeah, I, I know. I know you've got big caravan parks there for the summer people. Uh, one in Playcastle, uh, and of course Red Barn. You know, used to be an entertainment centre before, a bit quieter now, maybe. Do you have um, um, mobile home parks like they have, for instance, we, on the waterfront we, in Cove? We do. We, we do. But to see the mobile homes, what are, what are they generating? They're generating nothing. They're, they're, they, well, they'll bring down people for the summer if if you get a summer. Like you're not going, you're not going to come down uh, 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 if there's lashing rain and the forecast sure. is dead for two or three days. But you, you see, we we just take Clay Castle. Clay Castle is not being used to its full potential. Leave people in there. Leave 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 prospectors in there. Build build out there, and don't mind the red tape and don't mind your weight. Okay, and let's rent. let's not get into a personal situation. But um, in, in case we're giving the impression that all hotels in various areas are taken over, uh, in Waterford, the uh, percentage of hotel uh, beds being used to accommodate refugees in December last, just last month, was eight percent. Yeah, you know it's not a lot. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's not. It's not. A, it's not. A, but you're talking about a city. If you had the other ninety-two percent occupancy on its own, you'd be happy. So ninety-two percent is still available. Jim, what's 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 the future for you all? Do you have a, a good business association down there? Tourism association. I I tell you one thing: the the businesses that's operating. We have some fantastic public houses here who, who, who put on a lot of entertainment for the weekends. We have some some marvelous restaurants here. They, they, they're, they're unbelievable. Their staff are unbelievable. And and, and another thing, make it. You're talking about you know places in car clothing. Like if you pay staff, make they'll walk. Like this thing about an excuse to the, the minimum wage has gone up. Like. Are those people supposed to live at all? Well, it's it's a contributory factor to the attack. The you know coming from several areas on the bottom line yeah, of restaurants. What, what, well, and I'm not saying for a moment that that the minimum wage should not be available as proposed to people who are working hard. Um, but it's it, the entire cost base for restaurants is going out. It's going up and up. Uh, and, and I'm not sure even the four and a half percent that uh, if if they do get it back down to nine will be enough to save most of them. Um, so, like. A lot of, like everybody got helped with the last twelve months towards their business and and, and survival rate. Like there's a price war going on in supermarkets. There's a price war going on in in in, in uh, uh, energy supply companies at the moment. You know, and and to and to throw to throw this card into the ring that the minimum wage has gone too high. Like what about what about the, the poor misfortunate person on the minimum wage that could be six or seven hours on their feet all day, get fifteen minutes of a break? Are you are they are they knocking them? Are they are they trying to cut them back the wages back? Do they have bills to pay to all these these people that's working for, on the minimum wage? I understand from, from from the business side, it's a cost. And from the workers' side, it's an absolute necessity. Uh, so that's, that argument's always always going to exist. Jim, got to leave it there. Um, thanks a million for your call from you all uh, this morning. Yeah, and we 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 we'll, we'll try. We'll we'll get there. We have good people. We have good people down here on the island, and we we'll get there. All right, thanks, brilliant. Mate. 
Thanks a million, Jim. Thanks a million. And can I just give a shout out to one of our uh, most ardent listeners and faithful listeners over the years uh, who is in you all, and that is Teddy Barry, if you're listening this morning. Uh, good morning to you, Teddy. We got some texts here. Uh, the first one on hospitality. Oh, by the way, I got some figures as well. Uh, from uh, Seamus and Kevin regarding the number of tourist beds across Ireland. The Irish Examiner reported recently that nationwide over 10% of tourist beds across Ireland are used for Ukrainian refugees and other international protection applicants. Folger Ireland calculated the economic impact of what they term displaced bed stock at 750 million. So that's the cost of tourism. What's the cost of supplying it uh, that the government... uh, et al. the taxpayer uh, must bear as well. The report states there are 84,497 beds under contracts up 11% since June. Uh, 29,586 beds or 35% are in premises on the Folger Ireland registers and listings and 54,911 beds, 65% are in non-registered properties. 86% of the beds in Fall to Ireland registered premises are in hotels and guest houses and nationally 12% of all Fall to Ireland registered tourism bed stock is under contract. Um, okay, we still have more calls on the topic. Let's go to line five. Uh, Got to take a break shortly, but Ross, uh, good morning to you, Ross. Good morning, Mick. How are you doing? I'm great. You own a camper van. I do, I do, I do. I splurged. And, and where do you go in it? Uh, Wexford mostly because it's it's beautiful. The road is great and there's lots of good op- uh, options up there. Yeah, but anywhere really that I can get it in, yeah. What about y'all then? Y'all, I would love to spend more time in y'all. I absolutely love y'all. I think as as towns go in Ireland, it has the potential to be like Brighton. I think if people just... Everybody just got together and invested and said, right, what does y'all need? Brighton Pier. It needs a pier. Yeah. Forget, not just the pier, but that fabulous town with unique buildings. And I mean, if you walk down the main street of y'all, every single building front, they're unique. Some of them are are still the old original building fronts. They're shut up. There's roofs falling in, but they're beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful town. I only, um, I only mentioned, I mentioned need... camper vans, Ross, as an aside, but as an experienced camper van owner and, uh, you know, traversing the country and that, um, you, you reckon if Yol was more amenable to camper vans, it would be a big boost for tourism? Huge. There's people coming into this country every day and they can't get, they can't get into camper vans. An awful lot of them shut down for winter, which is understandable. But you need places that are safe, that have services, that have electric, that have water. I paid 72 euro for two nights to camp up by a lake because they had services up in uh, Lockery. Mm-hmm. It's not inexpensive. It's not... Um, you know, people going on a cheap holiday, people go and they eat in restaurants, they do their shopping. The camper community is very aware of their impact in a town, so they do like to spend. Um, like, there's a huge potential there that towns could be tapping into, and Cork is one of the least serviced. Yeah, you'd see, you'd see hundreds of camper vans, and I'm not joking, hundreds of camper vans uh, on, the, on, on the ground between the railway and, and the, uh, the harbour in Cove. Um, you know, between yeah. between White Point and the town of Cove, I, I'm not. I, yeah, I can't. I can't vouch allowed. for any services that they may or may not have. Uh, but someone told me it's it's as low as a tenner to stay. Uh, but there's is. kind of a three night limit on it. 
That's it. It's a two-night limit you can only stay and is it, it really two? is just for kind of topping up your electric and emptying out your tanks and, and things like that. But, you know, there's places up the country that people are spending big money to stay in, but they'll come for a week. If you somebody... Um, like, if I go... If I continue east of y'all, I have... Tremor used to be really, really well-serviced. I have um, all of Wexford, Waterford, all of those areas are well serviced for campers. Cork is the worst. And I think if the hotels aren't going to accommodate, then let the camper vans in. And I know... I know a lot of the, there's always objections if they try and push it in near where the static uh, caravans are. And that a lot of that comes down to owners not wanting the competition. But there is potential there for you all to look at something and do something if it really wants to do it. If everybody and you all came together and said, right, let's, let's make this town work. It's a beautiful town. There's buildings in you all that... that they're exquisite, and the history of y'all is really, really important. I remember y'all you know, when Parks was an integral part of the town. It's kind of moved out to the to the west yeah, now, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's an amazing big bar there, and, and those, you know, all of the what what used to be Parks was turned into apartments. But that bar there is has got fantastic potential uh, right beside the beach. I know they've cleaned up the old turntable for the train. They're hoping to make that part of the, um, the what do we call it, the, the cycle path. Um, Maybe they need their train service back. I know that would cost millions, but... Well, I, I think down the road is possibly in a, a plan, but it's um, at the moment it's the cycle, the pathway, the cycleway. What do we call it? Cycle path. Um, but the train would have been a far better option. As far as I'm concerned, bikes don't get kids up to university. Bikes don't get people in and out of work. You know, the the the, the I can't think of the word for the cycle path, the cycle thing. <laughs> oh, the greenway. But, uh, the greenway. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, you know, they're lovely. They're lovely, ca- but they're for leisure. There was a campsite apparently in Canada, and a campsite in Canada estimated an overnight spend. Uh, at the Canadian dollar equivalent of almost 200 euro per motorhome, of which about 150 yeah. euro equivalent was spent in the local economy, eating out, campsite fees, groceries, buying yeah. presents, uh, souvenirs, yeah. etc. Buying petrol, all that kind of thing, yeah. And it's, it's, a, mean, it's a pretty, up, it's a pretty upmarket sector as well, isn't it? It is. I mean, you look at the price of some of these big vans going on. Mine is a Renault Master van converted, and it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's perfect for me, but... Some of these big vans that people have, they're like yeah, I, I prefer to, I prefer to be on boats in the summer, but uh, maybe a camper van for winter wouldn't be uh, wouldn't go amiss. I got to leave it there, Ross. Thanks uh, a million. Yeah, cheers, make good talk to you. You too, thanks. Bye bye. Okay, uh, it's twenty. Thanks, uh, it's twenty five minutes to eleven. Uh, we've got dozens and dozens of texts to get through. I'll come back to them in a moment. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And a very good morning. Twenty one minutes to eleven o'clock. I'll get to the texts, but we have another call from Yall, and it's the owner of Kay's Flowers. Kay Curtin is also the president of the Yall Chamber of Commerce. Uh, morning to you, Kay. Morning, Mick. There, how are you? Very good. It's very very hard to highlight issues in a town without appearing in some way negative or 
Um, you yes, know. I know, I know, I know. I suppose, Mick, we're probably no different than other towns at the moment, you know. Um, we would, I mean, we, we do seem to have gotten the short straw there um, in regards to lack of accommodation and lack of investment in the town, you know. But there are a lot of things being, you know, I mean, just looking forward now. They're not going to happen today or tomorrow, but there are a lot of things in the pipeline, you know, and we will see the benefits of them in May, June, you know. Yeah, could you give me um, any detail on the Greenway, Kay? Because as I mentioned, I'm yes, not sure if you heard, it seems to have been yeah, the salvation seems- of Dungarvan. Yeah, it seems to be um, impossible at the moment to find out what is the what is the story with the Greenway. Um, we have been asking, and um, nobody really, you know, there's no date or anything, you know. And I know a few people who have invested in bikes, and they're in they're in storage, and like all this is money being wasted, you know. And you can see how it turned on Gavin around. I mean, uh, you can't even cross the road there during the summer, you know, and even during the winter as well, you know. People are walk in the Greenway as well, you know. But um, we just like to know, you know, as a community here in Yall, what is the story with the Greenway? And um, when will it be opened? And when will we see the benefit of it? Um, now, there is a lot of work being done by Cork County Council. We're very grateful for that. And they have a lot of projects in the pipeline. I know there, I mean, I was actually meeting there before Christmas, and there is definitely um, a caravan kind of area um, being been kind of talked about at the moment, you know. Now, these things aren't going to happen today or tomorrow, sure. you know. And but that'll be mo- mobile home friendly, will it? Uh, or not mobile home, but camper van friendly. Yeah, something like that. I know now we were at a meeting there before Christmas and it is in the pipeline, you know. So, I mean, there are, there are definitely positive things happening, but I suppose the main thing we want to know is about the Greenway and when will we see the benefits of it. You can see, as I said before, the benefits in Dungarvan, you know, has been just unbelievable shops popping up left, right and centre, you know. And, like, we have very historical town here and we're uni- unique in that way, really, you know. Um, now, there are a lot of properties being bought up and being renovated also, you know. And um, I know there are about 44 empty uh, buildings on the main street, but, you know... Um, Could be a good time to buy. Could be a good time to invest your future I'd in your... I'd say it is. And owners have been very generous as well, you know, um, with allowing us to do, do up windows and all that, you know. And they, they, they are kind of sympathetic towards the business community, you know. Like, a lot of owners retired and a lot of owners passed away, you know. So, I mean, these are things that we couldn't help, you know. Yes. And, um, I mean, and that's the same in every town. Has, but the, like, has the bypass K helped or hindered? I know, the bypass, like, I suppose at the start, like, McCroom bypass there now, at the start, I suppose the town was so quiet, you know. The same with y'all, but no, I think there's a help, you know, I see there now, you know, in McCroom, you know, people are coming in, they're walking around, the same here, like, you know. And, I mean, the locals here are great to support the businesses that are here, you know, and we are very grateful to them for that, you know. And, uh, but, like, January now is quite, it's quite everywhere, you know. But we would like an answer on the Greenway if anybody could could come on, come on and just let us know really for definite. I think it's happening. going to be key to y'all's, uh, you know, it's not just oh, going it's to survive, but thrive. Yeah. yeah, it is. And there, there are a lot of Airbnbs here next door to me here now. Um, uh, a couple have renovated um, a bit um, and a derelict building, really, you know. Absolutely, what they've done to it is absolutely beautiful. And um, we had a celebration there last weekend, and my family stayed in next door, and they couldn't get over it. Fantastic. So, I mean, 
I mean, he, he, he's after turning that place around. He, they moved back from London. They're from Clanmail. And um, the work they've done in there is just fantastic. And, um, you know, he has other plans. And I think by the time he'll be finished, it will sleep about 25 people, he told me, okay. you know. I, I've got so, I've got to move on to the next caller, Kay, but it's been great. Can, can I just can I, can, yeah. can I can I just something popped into my head? There's a famous song about y'all, uh, which starts. I'll tell you a story that happened to me. That's right. One day as I went down <laughs> to y'all by, the, by sea. the sea, did you see what Conor McGregor sold proper twelve whiskey for? Someone said six hundred million. Why doesn't somebody oh in y'all Johnny jump up? Yeah. <laughs> why doesn't somebody <laughs> yeah. in y'all do a cider called Johnny Jump Up? Exactly, exactly. I drank it one night, all right, below Moby Dick's. Um, I, I said to Kevin, whichever, do that there and see what it tastes like, you know. Oh, it does exist, does it? It's a cider whiskey or something, is it? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, just I just an idea. Keep, keep in touch with us, Kay. Keep in touch uh, as, okay, as to y'all's progress. Th- yeah, thanks no a million. Bother. Thank you. Bye. bye Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bob. I've got Dara Cassidy holding Head of Communications at Bonkers.ie. Dara, sorry for holding you. I'll be with you in one moment. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Dara Cassidy is Head of Communications at Bonkers.ie. Apologies for the holding time, Dara, but great to finally get you. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Good morning. I think we spoke a couple of years ago. I think that very day I went home and switched my electricity. I was so inspired by what you had to say. Energy costs are (laughs) going to stay high for a while, but they are coming down. They are. I mean, we've had some good news this week, but we do need to put it into perspective. Um, Listeners might know that on Monday, Electric Ireland, which is the country's biggest electricity supplier, announced a price decrease. And now today, the country's biggest gas supplier is reducing its gas and electricity prices. So electricity with Borkosh Energy is going down 10%. Gas is going down 9.5%. And then the standing charge is going down 8%. So when you take it all in, uh, the average customer will save around 190 euro a year on their electricity and around 141 euro a year on their gas. But Mick, as lots of listeners will know, prices did go up a huge amount over the past two years. So they're still very, very high. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like a shop putting something on sale. Uh, it might look good value compared to what it was, but what it was was twice what it was a year ago. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of a good way of looking at it. I mean, this is actually Borgosh Energy's second price decrease in four months. It decreased its prices by 15.5% in November. So it's nice to see that we're talking about price decreases instead of price increases. But even after this uh, reduction, which, as I said, is the second in only a few months, the supplier's electricity prices are still around 90% above what would until recently have been considered normal levels and its gas prices are around double normal levels. And that's the same with all suppliers. It's the same with Electric Ireland, SSE, Electricity, because prices rose just so much. So, you know, prices are coming down, but they're coming down from a really, really high level. And it's still going to be an expensive winter to heat and wise your homes. And of course, this price decrease doesn't come into effect until the 29th of February, which is the very end of winter. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not out of the woods Yes, but, but, but I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think this will be a far better year for energy customers. Okay, so if you have to run electric heating, if you have to run electric powered oil heating, if you have to run um, electric powered gas, or no, it's not, it's electric pumps, but gas heating per se, uh, you're still going to feel uh, the brunt of the cost because you'll be running them for the next six weeks anyway. Yes. 
Uh, no, we will be benefiting from the price decrease that came in in November. Uh, we're kind of in our second round of price decreases. There was one in September, October, and now this is the second round, which is good. But but yes, unfortunately, people should be prepared to get some fairly hefty bills over the next two weeks. Now, there is the energy credit that's being paid to electricity accounts. Um, that's €450. Euro. There was a lump sum fuel allowance payment. So the government has been giving support, and I think they do need to be credited for that. I, I guess the point, though, uh, that the bugbear a lot of people have, and it might be the same with um, you know your listeners, Mick, they may have gas, they may have oil, uh, they may prefer to have gotten the money on uh, you know on their gas accounts or to pay off oil, but it was just easier for the government to give it to everyone's electricity accounts. But um, I am hopeful that we might see a third round of price decreases, though, with the second half of this year, and uh, maybe August, September, October, if wholesale prices remain where they are. So that would obviously be good news as yeah. well. But even that would still leave prices at high levels. Okay. I, I, if I remember correctly, Minister Michael McGrath didn't rule out uh, one more possibly. Uh, I don't know their um, assistance. Is this for yeah. customers or the price decrease? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think when it comes to assistance, I mean, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. Um, we're all, of course, trying to decarbonize our grid and we're trying to move towards net zero. And that isn't going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy. And I am always make a pains to point out that renewable energy is not free. People seem to think it is. And it's actually not even particularly cheap. But we need to do it because there's climate change, we need to decarbonise our grid, but that move and bringing all that wind on and solar isn't necessarily going to be easy, isn't necessarily going to be cheap. I think that's actually going to keep upward pressure on prices in the short term. Um, and yeah, then because it's very costly well. infrastructure, isn't it? It is. Um, I kind of say maybe in 20, 25 years, Mick, when we have everything done, uh, we might finally have really, really cheap prices. And if you do look at other countries such as Norway and Iceland, although every energy market is very, very different, uh, but they've kind of mastered uh, renewable energy and have pretty cheap prices, but it's not necessarily free. We started decades behind behind them. And of course, the problem is that everybody's trying to do it at the same time. This big demand for wind blades and wind turbines, and that's pushing up the price. So my point is that um, we have conflicts lingering, the war in Ukraine still lingers on. We've just moved towards net zero. That's going to keep upward pressure on prices for the foreseeable future. So I think the government is going to have to support households in some way uh, for probably the next maybe few years. Okay. it's probably well known to most of our listeners that you get best value when you become a new customer of somebody. And the other side of that, of course, is wouldn't you think that companies would look after their existing customers rather than lose them as new customers to their competitors? Um, but this this is particularly evident in electricity or gas. So it does behove people to log on to sites such as bonkers.ie and, and check out and diary every 12 months checking out what would I save if I change now? Absolutely. I mean, I would always say whether it's your gas, your electricity, your car insurance, your home insurance, your health insurance, uh, always be looking at switching and saving try and get the best deals because rightly or wrongly businesses usually reward new customers the best so they save their best deals for new customers and that's particularly true uh, in the energy markets and what I'd be saying to people is that 
even though we're seeing these price decreases from all the suppliers, which is absolutely great, you can get a further discount of maybe 20% on your gas and electricity if you switch. So, for example, uh, Board Gosh, as we've discussed, is reducing its electricity prices by 10%, which all customers will get from the 29th of February. But if you move from Electric Ireland, let's say, to Board Gosh, as well as that 10%, you could get another 20% discount on top of that as a new customer. And it works the opposite way. So if you're with Board Gosh Energy and you move to Electric Ireland, you'll get the price decrease that Electric Ireland announced and an additional maybe 14 or 15% as a new customer. So sometimes when prices are going down, people think, I don't need to switch. This is great. My bill is going to go down. What I'd be saying to people is that it absolutely still pays to switch because you can save even more by switching. And it doesn't put at risk any government assistance either because you're changed over instantly. And when the... When you're changed over, I mean, it's in an instant. And uh, the government assistance will be reflected to that provider. So you're not going to... You know, you're not at any risk of losing any assistance coming your way. Yes, that's true. So when you switch, so at the moment, most people should have received their, their, their two energy credits, although it does depend on when you get billed. So the first one was paid in December and the second one started being paid from the 1st of January. Um, and, and most people would have, would have got that. But it does take a while. So if anyone's listening and they haven't gotten their second credit yet, don't worry just yet. Um, but if you were, for example, to switch now, any further credits that you're entitled to will be paid by yeah. your... uh, but by your new supplier. So that shouldn't put people off switching. Okay, I'm conscious of the time that you were holding and thank you for it. So tell us uh, in the remaining time, what are the range of services people can find at bonkers.ie? Well, but there's loads. I mean, we can help you switch on your broadband, your gas, your electricity. We have a mortgage broker service. So if somebody wants to switch their mortgage or take out a mortgage as a first-time buyer, we can help them. We can help you buy life insurance, uh, help you with your uh, home insurance, your car insurance, pretty much any bill that's out there. And make we can help you switch and save. So I do encourage people to, uh, to to make it maybe one of their New Year's resolutions to look at getting the best value for the money on all of their utilities. Yeah, and, and, and that's really all of your utilities, all of your health or maybe driving insurance, all of your, your mortgage, your energy, your gas, yeah, electricity. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we don't do bins. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's maybe the only place. But really, literally everything else uh, to do. I would say to people, you know, Sometimes we're busy, um, and I would always say try and switch at least every year. But sometimes, yeah. like diary it when you do when you change it, put yeah. it in your phone or your diary to do it again. Yeah, in, a year's but time. in particular, though, if you haven't switched in let's say maybe three or four years, you can be almost guaranteed that you're overpaying yes. no matter yeah. what the product is. So don't okay. be one of those people. Don't be one of those people that's given all the money and profit to the uh, the company. You know. Yeah. All right, Dara. Thanks a million. I gotta go for news. Dara Cassidy, head of communications at Bonkers. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Okay, news on the way. We will get to those texts, as promised. Uh, Let's do them straight out of news before we get waylaid by callers again. It's all good. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Eight minutes past 11. Let's get to those promised texts I've been promising to read uh, uh, for about an hour or so. Just gets very busy and that's the nature of the programme and it's brilliant. Uh, Morning, Mick. Further further to the hospitality crisis. The government is now considering deferring the taxes owed by restaurants. How about they cancel all of this debt? That would be an uplift to the owners and take the worry away from them. If they can refuse billions owed by Apple and corporation taxes, then surely they could remove this burden from the restaurants. But they'll have some excuse as to why they cannot. Just my tuppence worth. 
says Sean. Of course, the hot topic of the moment locally is the renaming or proposed renaming of Parky Kiev. Many, many texts on that. Haha, the whole situation is like a live episode of Father Ted. Maybe the park naming row could reach a compromise. Call it Super Equiv Park, says Paddy. Just call it Park Equiv, sponsored by Super Value. Uh, and other names uh, suggested uh, to be changed around the place. We could call Shandon the Shandon Bell, Vitas. How about changing the English market to just the market, says uh, another texture. Keep the name of Parky Keeve, use the money ring-fenced for the conference centre and give it to the GAA. This would clear the debt. Put a retractable roof on the park too. Then that would become your concert centre with plenty of parking. Then give the Beamish site back to the council to turn it into a public park facing the river. That's not a ludicrous idea, you know. Change the name of the Doyle to Circus of Clowns. Shandon Bells could be the Dunstores Towers. Burger King Castle out in Blarney. Uh, and uh, we will get to the, the topic once again between now and um, 12 midday in some detail, actually. On the migrants issue, make kudos to Mayo County Council. At last, a council who'll stand up to this very corrupt government. Maybe Rebel Cork might follow suit. Uh, can come on, but please read this out. I'm not uh, current on the Mayo County Council situation, but happy to read it out for you anyway. Now, I had a very engaging interview with uh, Aoife Cullinan between uh, 9.30 and 10, and it generated some text responses. Inspirational lady. Good morning, Red FM. I'm a person who has been subjected to torture of the mind and bullying all my life. Uh, there are many types of damage to mental health. For years in this country, when a person's psychological health was assaulted, There was no quality of life after being a victim of that type of injury or medication to escape the lifetime of suffering which follows a victim's life. People join the rat race in this country, never realising until it's too late what they've uh, done to themselves, mentally and physically. Work has become a religion for many people in this country and all it will do is rob them of the best years of their lives as they rush around from one thing to another and find out that they've achieved very little for all the stress they've put themselves through. All brawn and no brain uh, is never a good idea. Listening to your caller and the sentence she said, I deserve to heal, has me in tears. I deserve to heal. It just unlocked something very deep in me. Uh, I've been cautious about dealing with my own trauma through counselling, but that one sentence has just given me the strength to pursue it. That's good to hear, and uh, thanks for, for texting in. Uh, uh, hi Mick, just wondering where that lady went to do her psychotherapy course I'll try and find that out for you if we can uh, More by text Make business rates cover the guys sweeping the street the lads emptying the bins salting etc but the storm drains are choked up footpaths are in a serious uh, health and safety risk state of repair rates to pay for junkets abroad to look at bike lanes uh, rates pay for the absolutely scandalous green nonsense on Donovan Road where they narrow the road so the bus now has to wait at the end to allow cars to come down. Then cars reach the lights and there's a backup with the bus working to go up the road. We have traffic wardens who have serious attitude issues with no discretion and no common sense to allow businesses trade, earn, employ and ultimately pay the rates, which also pay their wages. Car drivers are being discriminated against by the green crowd and the net result is the likes of Nash 19 and others closing due to a lack of footfall and a rate uh, structure that's designed to close businesses and close the city. The entire city manager is, uh, city management I beg your pardon, is similar to New York in the 70s where New York went bust 
and became a hellhole and ultimately led to Trump becoming so successful. Let's tread carefully, Mick. We don't want a Trump situation, do we? Great to hear the Lord Mayor on. He's a great guy and we should be proud of him. Back to Supervalue Park. Uh, please highlight that there is absolutely zero mention of the whole renaming of Parky Kiev in any of the Cork GAA Twitter or Facebook pages. Not a stitch, not a thing. Heads in the sand as usual, avoiding the elephant in the county. And as I mentioned earlier, we quickly checked that fact back uh, as far as the 1st of January. So this year, at least, I know we're only two weeks into it, it appears to be correct. I'm a long-time season ticket holder with the GAA. I felt screwed over by the new season ticket price, and now this. Um, hi, Mick. Given the overall owners of Super Value, can we just call it Musgrave Park? I can't see the issue. Uh, good to hear you on the air, says Alan. Hi, Mick. The word Irish word park, P-A-I-R-C, uh, would have to become the anglicised version park, P-A-R-K, with the new name suggestion, and that's rankling a few people as well. When the Connor Pass was for sale, Cork City Council should have bought it and renamed it Langerland. Uh, back to Eva Cullinan and that interview, listening to Eva there. It just goes to show, Mick, you can change your life around. It's a very difficult journey, I'm sure, but thank God she pulled through. I wish her all the luck in the world. A lovely end to a horrible way of life, says Marie from Clan. It's a pity Hall Martin didn't address the Debenham workers with the same enthusiasm as the Parky Keeve story. Typical of him, says a texter on the Ross Cray issue. I'm getting through the text now, guys. We might as well finish them off. Uh, Mick, the people of Ross Grey seem to be blaming the government for taking their hotel. I don't hear any blame laid against the hotel owners. Surely the people are being a bit greedy, giving up their hotel for more money than they're making at the moment. When the refugees are eventually moved from these premises, will the locals support or boycott the owners then, says Connie. And on to our recent topic of Yall. Should the train line not have been extended from Middleton to Yall, says Tom. How many millions would that cost, Tom? I don't know. How can Yall have tourists... The biggest hotel and another hotel are gone uh, with God knows who now. Y'all is a dump, dead every day, summer is gone. That's a little bit unfair. Why didn't they let Aldi into the old Seafield building? They blocked it. Uh, Another texter says, people are shopping local here in Clonakilty and that's why it's thriving. Uh, But since the hotel was taken over in Y'all, there's nothing at the end of that walk. If no one is spending there, naturally enough, the places will close. When you had people coming there to holiday, they'd be spending. Uh, the refugees don't spend any money. They should take back their hotel as you all as a beautiful place with lovely people there. Uh, another texture, and we'll finish on this one for the moment. Uh, once someone tries to do something in you all, they will object to it. The harbour is wide open to the sea and there is no marina. You have to ask yourself why. Uh, I would imagine it's because it's a fairly shallow area. Well, it's a a well-defined channel, but maybe not enough room to put a marina in there. Anyway, your texts are welcome uh, on 0868104106 by uh, SMS or on WhatsApp and uh, by phone on 0818104106. And we'll come back to the Parky Kiev stroke Super Value Park story in a moment. Text or WhatsApp Neil now 0868104106. Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Coming up on 20 past 11, this is Mick Mulcahy and we're going back to the uh, hot potato that is the Super Value Park proposition. But before we do and before we join JJ O'Donoghue, let me just give you a synopsis of the type of man that Padraig O'Keeve was, born in 1897 uh, and died in 1964, uh, pushing on, yeah, 60 years ago. Roscommon-born Padraig O'Keeve is considered by many as the architect of the modern GAA. He grew up in Cork and became a teacher at Presentation College. 
1919, he joined the IRA's Cork No. 1 Brigade. He was elected secretary of the Cork County Board the following year, despite being on the run. Five months later, he was sentenced to 15 years penal servitude, but was released in 1922 after the treaty was signed. He took the Republican side in the Civil War. In 1929, he was elected General Secretary of the GAA. As well as overseeing major stand developments at Croke Park, his lasting legacy was the drive he initiated with Martin O'Neill, Leinster Secretary, to have a GAA-owned pitch in every parish in the country, an initiative supported by a grant aid scheme to encourage clubs and county boards to purchase their own grounds. The remarkable fact that O'Neill and Provincial Secretary Sean McCarthy of Munster, Jerry Arthurs of Ulster and Tom Kilcoyne of Connacht held office throughout a 30-year period, 1934 to 1964, underpinned the exponential progress of field investments during the O'Quive era. Podrick O'Quive died a few months before completing 35 years as General Secretary. The Irish Times noted that under his administrative genius... The GAA became by far the strongest sports organisation in the country and reputedly the biggest amateur association of its kind in the world. JJ Donoghue was quite a man, wasn't he? Yeah, some man. I'm just listening to your uh, Wikipedia biography of him there. Jeez, some achievements. Yeah. Uh, Where do you stand on all of this? Um, I suppose like most people, when news broke from the examiner on Monday, it was kind of... um, some friends thought it was a parody because obviously we all took to social media um, to kind of react. And uh, I had one friend and he was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. but it was on, not until the next day he realized actually this is um, this is actually could be happening. Um, so it was good, I think, in a way that the examiner did break the story when they did, because um, I think like the GA, the, the Cork County Board and SuperValue, um, they saw that they obviously reacted and they've slowed down the process a bit now. And I think... I think most people, they just uh, we would prefer not to see uh, SuperValue's name up there instead of Parky Cueve, as his uh, grandson um, outlined yesterday. You know, you kind of, I, and I said as much in the piece there on Chapman Machine, you're kind of you're cancelling his legacy in a way, aren't we? If we do this, that 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 would be the fear, if if not the danger, uh, unless an accommodation can be or a compromise can be arrived at, uh, where his name is still honoured. But you really can't. Yeah, you even, really like, can't anglicise the word P-A-I-R-C, Park Equiv. Yeah, but he, like even sticking in Super Value Park Equiv, it just it sounds all wrong. It's just this kind of gross commercialisation of it, you know. And I mean, I but, think but Super Value they do. It's everywhere. Say. We have the Borgash Energy Theatre, the Aviva Stadium. Uh, you could continue, but where yeah, where, yeah, where would it stop? Like, you could, and but do we need to? Is the bigger question. Do you know what I mean? Like Super Value can do great things with the GA in Cork, but uh, do they need to put their name up there on Parky Creeve? Mm, like, I think that's a, that's the big question that you know these two organisations, well, the company and the organisation should figure out. You know, and what you know, what reputational damage could it have for Super Value as well? I think in the long run. Uh, there's nobody doubting the bona fides of Super Value here as uh, an organisation that intrinsically supports many sports endeavours uh, yeah. around around the place. There's nobody doubting that. Um, you know. But where does it stop? I mean, when you consider yeah. what happened to him in 2014, right? Wouldn't it be ironic if Garth Brooks outbid everybody and Croke Park became Garth Brooks Park? But like I, I said that in the piece this morning, Tripping Machine, and like I just banged that out this morning. Like Croke Park, they will never the GA like over their dead bodies. 
would they allow that to be renamed? I mean, I could be proven wrong in that as well, but I, I just think like that's that's the national stadium, you know. And like, why don't we treat these stadiums the way? Like, why don't we honour their legacy and their history, and find a way for Super Value to come in and do great things with Cartier, but like leave the name alone? Like, you know, it's just a bit of imagination, and I'm sure they could come up with some amazing plan sponsorship deal. But like, do they need to go down the the renaming of the stadium. I say that's not a bad idea, actually. It, you know, if 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 they don't get the name, but they get lots of other goodies, um, branding rights in other places within Parky Cube, because Super Value, Centra, Mace, all under the Musgrave brand, that you know they could afford to pony up the money, um, and they would be the beneficiaries of love and uh, gratitude yeah, and yeah. lots and lots of shopping from GA fans all over the not just in Cork but all over the country um, because yeah. Super Value stands as much as the GA does for community it does yeah 100% doesn't it um, I just think it, it's like I don't know if we'd ever get used to and I guess we would generations from now they wouldn't even know about that maybe that Parky Creeve existed and I think that's you know what his grandson was kind of referring to um, like you eradicate the memory of of the man behind all this and, you know, behind the GA in general as well, you know. So, um, and like the GA is very much invested in its history, you know, like, so it's it's interesting. I, I guess they're just looking at it in cold, hard monetary terms, which is a pity too. But I mean, like they've, the, the government, as I outlined in the piece as well, you know, I mean, they, they gave them half their, half the budget nearly to redevelop Parky Creeve. Um, and, you know, maybe they should have had to t- look over the contract and said, you know, over our dead bodies, are you allowed to rename the stadium? You know, because you, we all saw Martin, Michal Martin's tweet there yesterday where he was deeply annoyed and, you know, saddened and angered and frustrated. And he said, like, we didn't ask them um, to rename the stadium. Of course they didn't. But, like, couldn't they have made that as one of the conditions? Oh, well, they're not going to call it the I mean, Irish government stadium, are they? <laughs> uh, I'd say that would go down like a lead balloon. <laughs> but, I mean, like, this is all hindsight as well, you know, but... um. But I, I think, like, I wonder, like, I'd love to be in a fly on the wall last night at the meeting, because I'm sure there are delegates that are dead against this, you know, the county board meeting. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do, because, like, the stadium, as we all know, they need money, and the county board said they do. Um, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, it's, I'm it's sure it wasn't, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the media backlash in its totality that changed their minds about proceeding no, last night, or for putting things on hold. I do think Michal Martin's tweet, um, or his post, yeah. at least, Gave them pause for thought. This could be the end of the government, Dosh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the, the terms of the contract there, but, like, you know, when you have someone... And again, he's deeply connected to the GA in Cork as well, Michal Martin and his family. Um, you know, and, like, he, he came straight out with it. So I don't... Like, yeah, they, they kind of... They, they didn't... I don't think they appreciated the backlash to this. And also, like... Like in the piece this morning on Tripe Machine, it's um like you know as far back as 2015, like it's one of the workflows, you know that they are going to that they had a plan for you know um renaming the stadium in terms of generating money through that way for naming rights. But um like I don't know if they've communicated it that much. I mean it may be internally, and all organisations are guilty of this. You know they understand what's happening internally. 
but they haven't really maybe communicated it to a wider audience. Yeah, let's look at the um, commercial elements of, of your piece, and I'll read from your piece here. Meanwhile, Musgrave Park and Live at the Marquee pull, both of them pull in thousands of punters every summer. There's a huge appetite for matches such as the South Africa versus Munster game that took place in 2022, and likewise the county board clearly needs to do a lot more heavy lifting to pull in more big-ticket concerts. Um, you know, it being more amenable to concerts if... I'm not sure how, how will they ever be amenable or welcoming to a, a, a soccer series being played. There may be the occasional Irish match if they were short a stadium or something, or maybe subscribing to the yeah, the Europeans uh, in 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 soccer might be might, might it could come about. Um, but there yeah. are certainly it's not just Ed Sheeran's that that, that could fill that park. He'll fill it three times. Not at all. Yeah, like I did. I didn't make the South Africa. Monster match, but like I had a lot of friends who did, and everybody said it was such a great game, such a great atmosphere. Why, why not relaunch like, the Lark by the Lee? That, that was an old, um, I think it was RTE backed actually, but that, that was a brilliant or, two or player. Fela. Or Fela. Do you remember Fela? Yeah, Fela. Yeah. The tri- well, that was always the trip to tip. Sam- yeah, okay. Sample Stadium. Yeah. Okay, that was Sample Stadium. Okay, yeah, but a, a weekend, uh, you know, you need your camping grounds, a, a weekend of concerts, a, a Cork concert festival. Could probably pull yeah, in, the, pull in a million or two easily, and like it's such a beautiful area down there as well. You know, especially with all the redevelopment going down. All, all the residents, all the residents of Black Black Rock now are going to be ringing and giving out about me. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind one weekend though, would they? I mean, like it's like they have this beautiful asset. Maybe if they could get the parking right, they'd be you know they'd be very happy on this issue. Um, but like that's I, I went down there last summer. Like, but I do think you're right. Like there there could be more done, and I'm sure. Like I'm sure they're looking at that as well, you know. Um, but like I, I went down to a match last summer, the Tipperary match, and it was a brilliant match with my son. We cycled down, we went along the Greenway and Passage. But like we, we just locked our bike up within a few feet of the stadium, but like next to a pole. Like little things like that as well. You kind of wonder, are they missing some of the big picture? You know, like you could actually, because you know there's huge appetite for cycling, and there's a Greenway right next to it. You could have people, you know, cycle in in their hundreds, if not thousands, and park up there. Um, like in terms of just getting that accessibility right and I know that they run park and rides as well but it was only when I was talking to someone from the county board a few months ago that they alerted me to that like I don't know do the public know about this so I think they I just I think they have an awful lot of work to do and yeah maybe yeah. this is criticism from someone who doesn't have all the like the full knowledge but um, like I, I, had a, I had a text a while ago and it's, it's, it's probably it's probably very improbable that this would ever happen but it's not a million miles from uh, from being interesting, and that is to ring fence the money, the, mon- the ring fence money for the never happening yet um, Cork Conference Centre should, <laughs> could be could be used to pay d- down the, uh, a bit of the debt on Parky Kiev and uh, put a retractable roof on it. Now you've got a conference centre, now you've got a concert hall, and now you've got a, a venue that would that would pay back its debts in three or four years. Make that man or woman the mayor. <laughs> yeah, I mean the event centre. That's another long running joke, but isn't I- it? You could probably devour. How, how do how do people there. access Tripe and Drasheen? Uh Just you go to uh, all good internets, and there it is. All good internets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tri- Tripe and Drasheen. Uh, JJ O'Donoghue, thanks a million for coming on this morning. Pleasure. Thanks, Rich. Thanks. Cheers. Bye bye. Uh, okay, let's go to the. Sorry. Okay, let's go to line one, and uh, Councillor Sean Martin of Fianna Fáil is there. Hi, uh, Sean. How are you doing? Hello, Mick. Dr. Wade. Okay, uh, the the brother tweeted last night. What, what's your feeling on it? Um, well, my feeling, I, 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 
I, I got a phone call from a journalist yesterday saying that, there was, the, that he was told there was a letter available in Nemo stating that the name of the stadium would not be changed. So I, I did a bit of research on this. Um, and when I was chairman of the club a number of years ago, it did come from the floor of an AGM. One night, one of the AGMs, one of our members raised it, that he was worried about the name being changed. And we did communicate with the county board inquiring as to whether the name of, of Parky Creek would be changed and we were certainly given the impression that that wasn't going to happen. Mm. Uh, and, and what about ancillary opportunities at sponsorship such as, you know, the Super Value Cup, the Super Value League, the Super Value Championship? Uh, yeah, you've no problem. I, 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 look, I, I think sometimes we're, um, we're driven by money in, in the modern era. I, I think you have to acknowledge the work done by pre- people in previous generations and we wouldn't have a Parky Creve or we wouldn't have any more Rangers or we wouldn't have our, our GA pitches on the crossroads of West Cork or Kerry if, there were, if such a person as Father Creve never existed. The man drove the organisation from the ground up and I think we need to acknowledge that and we need, need to be aware and the history of it needs to be passed on. Um, there's a lot of, a, a lot of opportunities Nick, in relation to Parky Creve and the development of this. There were two rugby matches that sold out. Um, I, I would have thought there was an opportunity to, to communicate with Peter Aitken when he was looking for an alternative site for the marking the path, which is now running for about 20 years. And when he was looking for an alternative site, was there an opportunity to do a seven or ten year uh, plan with him in relation to using the stadium for the concerts going You mean put the, put the marquee yeah. on the pitch? We have the marquee in the stadium. There's nothing happening there for the summer. We've got two or three hurling championship games, a football championship game. What's actually going on there for the summer? I mean, there's opportunities there. Um, and and when, when the redevelopment of the park, I got a lot of slack from some GA people. But, uh, was, and the front page deck was saying, the, 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 the park equipment have to broaden uh, its, it's, its horizon and we have to have other courts playing matches there. And I'm saying all the time, it has to stay in the ownership of GA and it's first and foremost a GA um, establishment. But the, we do need to look at uh, bring in other games or other sports every now and then. If you want to maximise what you have and, and you want to uh, bring in income, then that's what you have to do. Yeah, OK. Uh, I know there are sensibilities and rules around the GAA all regarding heritage and all and all that kind of thing. Um, so, would, would the marquee not interrupt Cork GAA's championship fixtures? Wasn't there outrage when Ed Sheeran, when Ed Sheeran uh, forced them to play an away fixture, wasn't there? That's something that can be explored. I mean, what I'm saying here is there's opportunities to develop uh, the marquee or other or, or like we had the CMC Coast back in the 70s. There are opportunities to do other things there and walk around the championship. The championship is fairly sparse. So in, in, from, I, I have my season to stop holding it. Uh, so I just, like, I'm looking at the championship fixtures. They're not going to be a championship fixture in Parky Creeve every weekend. That's not happening, you know. So um, I just think they need to broaden their horizons when they're looking for uh, to, to get sponsors. And Super Value are, have been very, very good to the community. I mean, Douglas, you know, all the GA clubs have got, got value from Super Value over the years. And on a yearly basis, they, they put money into the GA. Like you said yourself, maybe there was an opportunity to sponsor the Cork Corner team for the year, or the Cork football team, or whatever, the Camogie team, the ladies' football. They're not. There are brands there that we can sell as, 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 as an organisation. Maybe you know, we should look at that. Super Value get their trade, get their custom from the four corners of the county and the four corners of the country. You know, they, they, they could do a, a nationwide branding campaign in all of the local parks, which would not just help the GA in general, but help the local clubs as well. And they'd be the heroes oh, of the GA. And, and, you know, the, the conspiracy theorist in me says they're doing this for the outrage and then they, they'll ride in on a silver horse and have, a, have an acceptable deal for everybody and they'll win the hearts and minds and pockets of every GA fan in the country. I know, I, mean, I, I, I think, I, I, if you look at people like Super Value or 
that those are sponsored sports, they're sponsored sport across the board. I don't think there's any question of them targeting any specific sport and trying to maximise a profit out of it. Um, I, I think they have their, their heart doesn't write there. So I just, um, I, I know from back in the council, like when we had the, the, the European Catholic culture, super value very, very much to the fore along with Heineken sponsoring that, that with serious money put behind the council. So I, I, they have been very good to the cock area in general and across a lot, a lot of stuff. So I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be saying that about them. Okay. Uh, so it came up in an AGM at Nemo Rangers a number of years ago asking if the name would remain Parky Kiev and you guys wrote to the county board uh, to clarify and it was Nemo Rangers understanding you're saying that the name would remain yeah. untouched. Things change though. Yeah. Can, I, can I just ask you, I've always wondered about the origin of the club to which the Martin family are so strongly aligned. Uh, what's the history of the name Nemo Rangers? It's a combination of Nemo and Rangers because of the, the troubles way back in 2021, they couldn't field the team. Both teams couldn't field because there's so many uh, individuals, members of the club, were either imprisoned or they were on the run. So they, the both clubs came together, and then you had your Nemo Rangers. Okay, would you sell that name? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a million, Sean. No, no take care, take care, Thank thanks, you. Thanks, cheers, bye bye. Falls councillor Sean Martin. You can get in touch with the program oh eight one eight one zero four. 106 uh, is our phone line and our text line is 086 8104 106. Your calls and comments are welcome. Back in a moment. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. 20 to 12. John O'Donovan's on Live 3. Uh, hi, John. Hi, Nick. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you again. Ring fence the money you say for the event centre. Put it to some good use. Yeah, you're about that very good. We're just expanding it there. Um, look, there's a lot of controversy about the renaming of Parky Creeve. So my idea would be to retain the name, right? Because I think it should be retained. I mean, with the respect to the man and all he did. And I think every GM and out there would nearly agree with me. But the thing is, there is money ring fence for the non-existent uh, conference come concert centre, which will never be built on the South Main Street at this stage, and the dogs in the street know that. But that money, we are told, Mick, it is ring-fenced. So take the ring-fenced money, right? Give it to Parky Creeve this year. Pay off the debt because that, it's the same amount of money and a few million with us. Pay off that. Put a sliding roof. Give, the government gave them an extra few, few million. There's millions going all over the place. There's 600 million was spent last year uh, alone just bringing people in. There's Apple money there that's uh, after being put on the shelf. So... Put your sliding roof on that below. Keep the name, right? There's your concert venue. Then that site in South Main Street, where staff for Greenery and Cork. Develop that. No more development on that site. Put a park in there facing the river for the people of Cork. So you keep the name with the respect to the man himself. You have your concert, permanent concert centre below with your sliding roof, right? And you have your park in the city centre. It seems to make sense. How much money is Ring Fence for the conference centre? I think that said it needs over 35 million, I think. Maybe even 40, touching on 40. So the, the money is there. So we are told this Ring Fence so obviously hasn't been touched, cannot be touched. So that money is there. So that could be given with the stroke of a pin. Pay off the debt in, 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 in Parky Creeve. Keep your name right. Give them the extra money because the foundation is there. It will take sliding roof, right? I mean, the, the architects will work that out and, and the engineers. Maybe it's and not suitable. Maybe it was designed in a way that's not suitable. I don't know. 
No, I'd say it would be, I'd say, more than likely. And look, I mean, the modern construction now and the type of engineering that's there, that would, that would be, uh, look, any architect or engineer worked their side put, would put a sliding move on that place down there and would solve all the problems. And most of all, it would keep the name, uh, the ribbons of the name uh, for that man. All right. Uh, just stay with me, John, will you? Larry Keegan's on line one. Hiya, Larry. How you going, Mick? What's your point? You think it's 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 called evolving? Things must change. Yeah, like sure. Look, if, if you look at it this way, the, the grass has changed, the 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 seating in the stands has changed, and yeah, why not change the name for look a quarter of a million is not to be sniffed at, like uh, it's quarter of a million a year, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, a million what a guy. 30, 30 odd million to pay off the debt. Like, I mean, that's ring fence for the content centre. Wouldn't that be better? That's why you have a stadium, a stadium with no debt anymore. It's debt free. Let's just get Larry's point here, John. Hang on a second. Carry on, Larry. Yeah, so a quarter of a million, like, I suppose I'd be viewing at it from a grassroots point of view. You're probably looking at A's Games Development Officers with that cash, like. Um, which in turn promotes hurling within the county, that the county board don't have the ring fence for servicing the debt of the stadium. Um, so uh, if you look at it as a whole, holistic kind of a thing for, for Cork GA or whatever way you want to look at it, take the quarter million. You can still call it whatever you want when you're talking to your mates. Call it the park, call it whatever you want. Um, just take the, the quarter million off Super Value. That'd be my, that'd be my take on yeah, it anyway. I've, or find a way that uh, Super Value can intrinsically filter down to all the clubs with massive branding uh, and develop local support in, in, in the various communities around the place. But, you know, when, when you've got a debt of 30 million, um, doesn't it behove you to sweat the asset a little more, use it, allow it to be used a little more for various functions or concerts or whatever? And, and yeah, like that, like, when I'm talking to someone below in the club, I'm not going to say, we're going into Super Value Park or Park Super Value or whatever. You know what I mean? We, we can still call it whatever we call it face-to-face. Like, it's not going to lessen the, the stadium by, by putting the name on it. Like, mm-hmm. and I just I just think uh, turning down a quarter of a million a year in, in this day and age, for what? Like, yeah, well, or, I suppose if you want good facilities, someone at some stage has to pay for it. Yeah. So unless everybody that, that's disgruntled by it decide to set up a GoFundMe and and commit to paying X amount of money per year, I'd say roll with super value and yeah, call it whatever you want to your mates and yeah, like, I, who really cares what... I, what I believe, and I, I'm open to correction here, but I believe that Aviva paid £44 million for a 10-year deal on Lansdowne Road. That was 2009. Um, but still, it's still called that. It's good value, pardon the pun, for the Cork County Board... Uh, is it good value to be paid only two hundred and fifty k a year? I don't know. Uh, for the, for the, I suppose for the amount of time that it's full and used, it probably is. And Aviva is probably full more often, uh, used for more, more high profile games. I suppose more, more high profile attendances. And um, like, how often is Parky could be full? That's that's often the whole thing. How how often is it empty and dark? Uh, Larry, thanks a million for your, for your contribution. I've got to move on. Donald, how are you, sir? Hello. Hello, Donald. Hiya. What point do you want um, to make? Well, my point is, if they're trying to... They're stuck for money. They're trying their damnedest to, to, to... What would they say? Keep this show on the road. But they're still refusing to take cash at the turnstiles. 
which has alienated a huge amount of older people. No cash at the turnstiles, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all online stuff now, you know. It's all online, okay. I mean, if they're, if they're stuck for money, wouldn't you think they'd take, go back, revert that back to, to taking cash? And I know it's not going to solve their problems, obviously. But, I mean, does it make any sense when you're stuck for cash to be refusing cash at turnstiles, you know, and alienating all these older people? Okay, and many of the older people, I would imagine, have worked, you know, most of their well, lives yeah, they're, they're in, in and for clubs. Probably volunteering in clubs, you know, and the whole lot. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me, and it's a horrible thing to do, I think. And do people still turn and up with they, cash and get refused? Yeah. Okay. They do, yeah. It's happened to myself last year. And what did you do? Um, well, eventually, when you argue with them, and they'll let you in, you know, but you feel like a bum. You know, you're standing there with your money in your hand, being told you can't go in. Legal tender? Yeah. I, I think there's going to be some changes in, in that respect, in, in that all businesses are going to have to have a cash option. Well, I don't know. They don't seem to be doing anything about it. So it's taking a long, long time to do it. It's there two or three years now. Yeah. You still you there, know? John? I am, I think, Michael McGrath, did he not address that there, going back sometime there before Christmas and the autumn there, that he, he was in favour of both, both, like, I mean, obviously, card and cash, but he wasn't ruling cash out completely, I think. Yeah, I think, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think uh, each business is going to have to have at least one till or one point of sale where, where cash will be that's accepted. That's not happening. I, I, are you... Are you I agree with that, Carla, there, because I, I would be against the cashless society and, and turning people away is wrong. But whether they take cash or not won't solve their problems. And the immediate problem is the debt on the stadium. And I still think the money that's ring-fenced for the events and to pay off the bloody thing once and for all. And then open it up to everything. Not only do you have concerts there, have American football there, use it. For God's sake, it's just down there, lying right the half there. Use it. Yeah, sweat the acid is what I'm suggesting. Yeah, of course. Like an airplane, like a, like a Ryanair plane doesn't make any money on the ground. That's why they turn them around so quickly. Yeah, this is it. Like, and they're weaving major acid down below there. Like, and we were crying out. Like, look what's happening in the city at the moment. Business is closing down nearly one or two a week. I mean, for God's sake, is anyone going to shout stop? We need this down there. We need the concert centre. And we'll bring thousands upon thousands of people in, not only three or four times a year, but maybe once or two or three times a month. Can I, can I ask by both of you before, before we end, uh, Donal and, or sorry, uh, John and Donal, um, here's, here's, a, here's a quick statement uh, or a quick fact. Uh, the journal.ie has a poll running at the moment, right? Over 10,000 people have voted. 70% of people voted to keep the original name of Parky Kiev. And 247 have voted so far. Uh, to have the name changed um, to pay the bills, as it were. Now, that, uh, in my maths, doesn't add up to 100%, but maybe there's some spoiled votes or something. 70% of people, anyway, voted to keep the original. Uh, Donald, what, what would you make of that? Um, I'd imagine that would be fairly correct, yeah. I'd say most yeah. people would prefer to keep it that way, yeah. Yeah, the remainder are undecided. That that clarifies it. The remainder are undecided or maybe don't but care. Who did they ask? You know, yeah, I, I tell you why, Mick, because people are fed up with change. People are fed up with change. Everything seems to be one. You must change everything. No, well, I'm sorry. You don't have to change everything. So like Mary Lou McDonald said, for United Ireland, she'd fought for the, the tricolour. Well, I'm sorry. That's what people died for our tricolour. We never get rid of the tricolour. So okay. the, this whole thing about change, change, change. What, is it just change for the sake of change? 
Donald, sorry, you're trying to get in there. I'm just saying that I wouldn't say that the, the, the tricolour would be sacrosanct either. I think nothing is safe in this country anymore, to be quite honest with you. The way things that's are going. Making, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the point you're making. Yeah, it's it's not. They're sold to the devil. That's what they would know for money. Yeah. You can see it every day of the week. You know, all, the, all you hear is in the EU directive, in the EU directive, yeah. the county board below are saying this is coming from Fort Park about the, the ticket situation. You know, it's all past the book, past the book. There's nobody takes this responsibility anymore. Let me, let me give you guys a flavour of some of the texts that are coming in, right? Why not Parky Keefe sponsored by Super Value Musgraves? Well, the jerseys have the Super Value logo. Uh, Musgraves are as much a Cork heritage as the GAA. Compromise on the park, says somebody else. Have the stadium separate to the pitch. Let Super Value sponsor the stadium, but the games are played at Parky Keeve. Therefore, Marty Marcy will introduce us from Super Value Stadium at Parky Keeve. That might be one compromise. Another texter says, if Super Value wants a stadium, let them build one. I'll give you one more and we'll see what you think of these. Am I right in saying that the Beamish Room has now gone from Parky Cave as well? That was a commercial business using their heads. Why don't they have a Super Value Room with Super Value prices and points where you can use your club card? And would you get points in your card when paying for tickets for matches and events? Maybe. Too many questions with not enough answers. Uh, what do you think of that? Any good ideas in there? Uh, let's take Donald first, John. Donald. Yep, yeah, there's, yep. there's loads of options there, really. Yeah. But they, they don't have to give it away completely and just change the name. Like, respect the man and yep. hold on to the name and look at all these other options. Mm-hmm. That would be my view. view all right. Anyway, you know? Donald, thanks. Thanks for your call this morning. Okay. Uh, let, let's wrap it up with you, John. What do you think of some of those options? Yeah, well, look, I, I think that, like, the 70% on the poll that she just read out. I think that people don't want the double barrel name. Like, I mean, it wouldn't roll off the tongue like Super Value Parky Creed. Like, look, it's Parky Creed, and it'll always be referred to as a park anyway. But the thing is, I don't think the double barrel name uh, will work. I don't think people want this. If Super Value want to make a donation, like, I mean, they're making enough money. For Christ's sake, all the people are caught. Better make the donation, don't make the song and dance about it. Um, but what, what about the hallowed ground, the, the grass? What, what about Super Value Stadium? And then the game is played at Parky Keeve. I'm not sure. Is that too outlandish? What do you think? No, I think it's, look, it's Parky Keeve and that's it. I mean, there's no point in messing around with it. I think the people of Cork at this stage, you know, I think they're well on board that they want to keep the name with respect to er- Look, as I said again, that man, like, done his time, like, I mean, not only for the GA, but he also fought for this country as well. And we have to respect that, like. All right, John. Just, just, Th- just, thanks just a million. Everything. Thank you very Thank much, you. John. John O'Donovan, good morning. Frank Murphy, good morning. All right, Mick, bye. Who's it going? I'm Grand. Final call on the topic. What do you think? Yeah. Adam, Mick, I think it's a disgrace. The, the lads are saying, yeah, change. Like, change. Did you admit the hands in the first day, Mick? Like, they overspent. They know what I mean? So, in my book, the floods in charge of that should be fired out. And forget about changing the name just to suit, just to try and make up money for them. They, and Diego, so like, I mean, they're not worried about the army punter in the mix. Do you think that an organisation that, that partially um, survives or enjoys um, public funding uh, should be having closed doors meetings? I mean, they're entitled to. Uh, but wouldn't it be much more no, transparent to have the media there? It's a disgrace. That's came from my fans. I know the Cork Park are the same as the county board, but I don't think all the county boards on media make. Okay, you know, I mean, it seems to only be a county board, but like, no, I didn't change anything. Like, the next thing, they'll probably try to change this flipping perky ring. 
or something like that. If they want a bit of change, Rick, tell them go away and change the English market back to the market. <laughs> Maybe that might What's your par- parking ring used to be, uh, was it Sunflower Lodge or something? Flower Lodge. Flower, Flower Lodge. Lodge. Yeah, Flower Lodge, yeah. It was Flower Lodge. But no, Mick, their money, like they're grabbing. You said something about it. They, is it the case of grabbing on? But they had a grab on association, honestly, because with the ticket price has gone up. As I say, and fellas, even with season tickets, can to get some matches, they'd still have to pay. Yeah, but they're, you know, they're navigating a very difficult course here because the, the big cloud that's over them is the debt. It is, but the debt was created by them. We're not looking after the fund. And they trusted it. They went overboard in the building, as far as I know, by a lot of money. That tends to happen in, 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 new, in new builds, in golf clubs, new airports, etc. Go over by a few bob, but not by the money they went over. Yeah. They didn't interfere with their money themselves, with the CEO on that. And what about Super Value Parking, Eve? Not good enough? No, not a whole no. right. So You can get the tickets, I just said, through Super Value, Mick, at the board, you know, for matches. Okay. You can pick up tickets at Super Value. They've got through Super Value with the ticket sales as well, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, somebody just texted in there. The park is owned by G- Dublin GA now, the same as uh, is, Cork uh, Airport, owned by GAA. Exactly. It is, It is Mick. That's what I'm saying, because they went over the budget. They had to borrow as far as I know. Cork Park came in and bailed them out. Yeah, I, 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 I remember Seamus uh, with Don McLean, the Wolftones. I remember Oasis playing well, the park. The Prince played the park. I went, I went twice to the park to see Michael Jackson back in the 80s. Yeah, Mick, would, a bit more of that, maybe. Yeah, but maybe that. But don't interfere with the GA then, Mick. Like, I mean, Bruce Springsteen is playing there. And as far as I know, if Cork footballers get to the latter stages of the league, they should have a home draw. But if they had and it clashes with Bruce Springsteen, they'll switch him to some other. Yeah, I know. Gotta leave it, Frick. Thanks a million. All right. Uh, Bye. Thanks a million. Cheers. Going to finish with uh, Portugal Keeve's grandson's statement. This is from his grandson. I'm relieved that the Cork County Board did not approve the renaming of Parky Keeve to Super Valley Park last night, as no vote was taken and that the Cork GAA are continuing their discussions with SuperValue on naming rights. Hopefully now, this time, will give us an opportunity for reflection and debate on how we can both safeguard the sustainable financial health of the Cork GAA and retain my grandfather's legacy and his place in the hearts and identity of the Irish people. I greatly welcomed both the Tornish to Micheál Martins and the Lord Mayor of Cork Councillor Kieran McCarthy's public opposition to the rebrand as SuperValue Park and calls for compromise yesterday. I hope an agreement can be reached where our heritage history and identity can be balanced against financial necessity. One potential solution is the name Super Value Parky Kiev. Doesn't seem to be too popular though. Uh, I know finally that Super Value has made a valuable contribution to Irish communities. I also appreciate the coverage the media has given to the issue, especially in light of the banning of the media from yesterday's Cork County Board meeting. I look forward to further and open uh, transparent public debate in the coming uh, uh, days. That from the grandson of Podrick E. Kiev. My thanks to the Neil Prendival Show production team, and that is Kevin Galvin, Seamus Wheelahan, and Claire O'Connor. We're back tomorrow morning after nine. When Cork talks, Cork people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendival on Red FM.